This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Get ready to fall back into good hygiene and impeccable grooming with Manscaped. Join the two million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with promo code LASERTIME. Fighting robots, Zach Braff is not Superman and double Denzel this week on 30 2010. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine. Oh, 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 this episode is such an exciting one. If you don't know what we do here each week, we look 30, 20, and 10 years back in time, mostly pop culture, occasional news. We're coming out of 9-11 in one of these decades, so it's kind of hard to ignore some some real news. Um, we'll have a little bit of that creep in here, but hi. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and here's my line reading. King Kong ain't got shit on me. <laughs> I love it. We'll call you. <laughs> and who else? It's me, Sarah. It's me, Sarah. And, man, this is, again... I think your pen writes upside down. That should be your thing. Take the bet. true. I, take it. Take, take the bet. Take the bet. Take the bet. Lots of fun stuff. If you don't, yes. Yeah, so once again, to reiterate the, t- the format, which I don't think I did very well, we look back at three decades in the same week uh, and see what came out there. And by doing so, this will help structure what you were doing, who was having a birthday party, when your divorce was. And this this week, we'll be discussing October first to the seventh, the first week of Oct. Welcome to Halloween, officially. Ooh, spooky season. Mm-hmm. Uh, through the years of nineteen ninety one, two thousand one, and uh, twenty eleven, and I. There are some of the the best underrated movies I don't hear anyone talk about in this episode of the show, and I'm very, very excited to get started. I want to thank our executive producer, Justin Allen, and many other fine people at Patreon.com slash LazerTime who have been supporting the LazerTime show for over, uh, the LazerTime network for over, over, shit, seven years? Thank you guys so much. Five bucks is all we ask. You can give more or less or nothing at all, which a majority of you vastly prefer but our to our donors we try and give you special stuff this week this this month has been really hard on us which means you're going to get a glut of stuff heading into october including hopefully at least one uh, monday night movie commentary and spoopy movie again we just did a full-length commentary of dirty work that i'm really really happy with that was a really great way to celebrate the life of norm mcdonald moving on to 30 2010 business oh yeah there's a uh, 30 2010 games and 30 2010 Nobody puts classics in the corner. I'm tired of plugging. I just want to talk about movies, for fuck's sake. Welcome back to the show. I'm done with my plug. Stop hitting that little circle with a number in it on your devices. <laughs> you can stop that right now. Let's begin as we uh, always do in 1991. It, it's not going to help this week because we have a absolute glut of movies, especially in 1991. Yeah, it is yeah. weird. I had to go back and like double check really everything this week. And like some of them are really good. Some of them are like... Why? Who cares? So. It really runs the gamut thematically, I would say. There's, there's, yeah, it is definitely something for everyone. Yes, <laughs> there is. Wow. There's some... things for no one. <laughs> <laughs> there's some weird ass shit this week. Okay. There are a bunch of movies that I was not expecting to be as weird as they are get really weird. And I am pumped. I can help. Man, and uh, <laughs> uh, look, to bring us into the, the wonderful world of 1991. October 1st to the 7th. A little bit of news. And this will not sound like 1991 news, but I assure you it is. Elizabeth Taylor is getting married. (laughs) 
That doesn't Yay! sound very 1991 until you say for it, the eighth and last time. <laughs> it could be what 1966. It could be 1954. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it could be getting married again to the same person. She did that once, right? She did that once. Yeah, yeah. she remarried yeah, someone. She, uh, yeah, she and Burton got married twice. That's so cool. And uh, but this time it's to a construction worker, Larry Fortinsky, 20 years <laughs> a junior, but fucking great with a slab of concrete. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that. And she went into she went to rehab in a lavish ceremony at Neverland Ranch. Well, she no. met him in. Oh, rehab. she met him in. I, I, I read this one. I mean, when I go to rehab, I will go in a lavish ceremony yeah, at Neverland Ranch. That's how I want to go in. Yeah, throwing the bird seed, crying your own mascara, oh. drenching your own vomit. Yes. Uh, yeah, drag me away, put me in a wheelbarrow, and take me to rehab. I, I want costumed characters, <laughs> fireworks. <laughs> it's the only way I'm going. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, Larry Fortensky was a construction worker that she met at rehab. Uh, and the most interesting thing about him was his mullet was like the best. Mullet. Like it was the mm-hmm. most 1991 mullet. <laughs> Everyone's like, she's marrying some dude. And it's like, look, with her track record of pretty much only marrying famous people. Yeah. Maybe the normal guy is right. a good call. Not really. They got divorced five years later. I know. We all know she should have married a gay guy. That would that yeah. would have lasted I mean, forever. Follow Liza's lead. Yep. Come on, please, please. Liza guy. and her mother both yes. married gay guys. Sh- I mean, we should all follow Liza's lead. That just should be our motto. But I think Liza married two gay guys. Well, so you know, she life. We know this. Get in line, <laughs> hussy. Um. Yeah, she supports the community. Okay. True. Yeah. Come on, come and, on, Liz. And uh, the uh, the rare occasion where the United States is uh, ahead of the game. In terms of something progressive, uh, tobacco ads are banned from UK television this week. Right. I Now, I don't know how accurate this is because 91 seems really late. But considering they didn't ban smoking in pubs until, I don't know, like two weeks ago. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I forget. We, yes. we, did, we did a whole laser time about the end of smoking for the US. And I remember tobacco did everything they could to air as many commercials as they could. So all of the last commercials appear in The Tonight Show. On the night right. of the expiration date, mm, uh, but exactly. it's it's There's like five years ago. The last one is like eleven fifty eight p.m. Yeah. <laughs> on the deadline. Wow. I think it's Virginia Slims. I forget, but yeah, Maybe no. In, in Europe, even though they seem so much healthier than us because of the you know healthcare thing, mm-hmm. smoking is just like it's it's been so much more accepted there until even pretty recently, mm-hmm. and it's still not that except like it's finally become a lot less accessible for you to just light up in the middle of a restaurant. Yeah, pretty gross, like, nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the beginning of the 2000s is when they're finally like, mm, no. Including the Netherlands, where that only applied to tobacco. What? And that was really confusing because oh, yeah, not my, that didn't not apply my to weed. But then how they smoke weed is you roll it with tobacco. Mm. And then you just smoke the whole thing instead of passing it around. So, right. So the tobacco part of a spliff was the problem. I, I dabble in both tobacco nicotine and weed weed smells way fucking worse than tobacco and stronger and longer it doesn't linger but it's like it smells like armpit or skunk most of the time like fuck that shit in a restaurant Uh -uh. no in a restaurant no Um, i remember i'm old enough to remember smoking in a restaurant it's like if i'm eating dessert or coffee i don't care that reminds me if i'm eating my actual food oh my god stop it 
One of our friends uh, got on eBay a bunch of ashtrays that were the McDonald's ashtrays from like not yeah. that like less than less than thirty years ago. Um, mm-hmm. Like yes, those should be all over my house for my little seeds and such. But ever smoke them if you got them. Oh, I don't know why this just actually came up the other day. So I was talking to my dentist. I'm old enough that I remember when my dentist only washed his hands real good and didn't wear gloves. <laughs> <laughs> That's how old I am. Literally. Yikes. AIDS is is why people started wearing gloves it's at true. the dentist's office. Oh, your mouth is full of water. Let me CPR that right out of you. <sighs> uh, I'm going to wipe my hands off on your breast. Thank you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, just wash them really good so it just tasted like soap. Gross. Yeah, oh yeah it's God. fucking disgusting. The second you think you're like, oh, sweet Jesus, why? Why did my mother let this poor child have to deal with that? Oh, oh my God. Just the idea of someone's hands in someone else's mouth. Okay, now I'm going to need a break. And, oh. uh, <laughs> Uh, moving into the movies. It's not something you think about very often. 1991, no, October 1st. This is taking me a while to say. October 1st to the 7th. The Fisher King is still number one at the box office. Nothing makes sense to me right now less than the box office receipts of 1991 where Dead Again and Fisher King are kicking the shit <laughs> out of like all this other like Hollywood pap. It's amazing. Maybe that's, maybe that's why I'm so comfortable with the past. It seems like a better time. But we also have a ton of movies to get through, many of which I've never heard of and can't recommend. Uh, all right. We have to blow through a lot because we have, what, like 10 movies to talk about here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's blow through Black Robe with Lothair Blutet. Uh, this is somehow the highest grossing movie in Canada in 1991. Yeah. Or Canadian film, I should say. Mm. It's the highest grossing Canadian film, and it's also it's actually a, a Australian co-production. And it is the story of a Jesuit who like tries to bring Christianity to the First Nations people in like 1630s Quebec. Oh, okay. how, how sweet of you to bring, to force your religion on other people, even in another continent. Good times. But, I mean, it's got a lot of cachet. It's directed by the guy who directed Driving Miss Daisy. Oh. Obviously, there's more interest in uh, Native American themes after Dances with Wolves. And it's supposed to be one of the more accurate ones. Like, oh, it's a much fairer depiction of First Nations people. So, right. And it's pretty. I'll take it. What about Paradise with Melanie Griffith and Don Johnson? Were they married? Am I mistaken on that? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were married at the time. Okay. With Elijah Wood and Thora Birch. They must be little tiny babies. And... They're teeny tiny babies. They're like nine, mm-hmm. I think. I think younger. And ugh, Something like that. But uh, yeah, Melanie Griffith and Don Johnson, they just lost their kid and they're sad. And then like Elijah Wood comes to stay with them. And we have like a Southern coming of age thing. Mm-hmm. I guess okay. that's a theme. We have a bunch of Southern coming of age. What? Oh, wake me when we get to yeah. Ricochet. Okay. Next up, we have the Rapture with Mimi Rogers, David Duchovny, Gosh. and Will Patton, which mm. sounds like it's a made for Christian audiences movie and isn't. It's written by the guy who wrote the player, and it's <clears throat> like a not like super preachy story about like Mimi Rogers like gaining her faith, losing her faith, thinking the rapture's about to happen. You know, her husband dies and she's and she's sure the rapture's coming and then she does like a bad thing and then the rapture does come and she's like, oh I, I don't know how I feel about faith anymore if God did bad things to me. Huh. It's like actually got pretty good reviews. Just not I was really expecting like left behind. Yeah. But okay no. <laughs> it's the right title for it, certainly. I love I love that 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 we just assume Christianity had has always beaten itself into us. Where like when I was doing that cartoon Christmas stuff and I created that Jesus meter, I did so almost solely because of how much that little piece of Charlie Brown Christmas. Mm. But that they had to fight super hard for that because even CBS is like, we don't want to get real religious on people. 
in the in the sixties. Yeah. No, we don't want to be too heavy on people. So no, yeah, th- those movies had to be produced by like Christian labels, like the fireproof people we talked about last week. Holy lord! Yeah, uh, I know it's it's like a parallel universe. Yeah, that does really well, and this this is not it, which is like even harder to make. Of like, oh no, here's a movie about Christian faith, but it's for everyone, and it doesn't take sides. <laughs> what? Like, how is anyone going to watch this? But with the guy, it's okay. With the guy from Red Shoe Diaries. Yeah. That's how we all know him. Playing, yep. playing God's David Duchovny. And- <laughs> oh, he has a theme. Okay. And then the last of the ones that, like, who the fuck wants to talk about? Shout with John Travolta, <laughs> Jamie Walters, Heather Graham, Linda Fiorentino, and Gwyneth Paltrow's debut, as we talked about in Birthday Quiz last wow. last week. It, it It's um, Dead Poet Society, but John Travolta is a music teacher, and he teaches the kids rock and roll, but it turns <laughs> out he actually killed a man. <laughs> like, that's oh. the only oh. fun part. It was like, wait, wait, rock what? and roll? Uh, yes. Let's say yes. Yeah, it sounds uh, terrible. And we are in the terrible years of John Travolta's career that he needed to be rescued from. Right. Yeah. Uh, And will be for the next like three years. Yeah. It's last two years of Travolta has been unwatchable. and It's going to keep going except for Look Who's Talking. Yeah. I was going to say, you you sound like you're making an exception for the Look Who's Talking trilogy. Yes. I I would. It's the only exception. Everything else he makes is... The, the second he was in Pulp Fiction, he shit all over those movies. So, so yep. <laughs> I don't know if he agrees with you, but mm-hmm. um, well, we disagree about a lot of things, so that's okay. You and John Travolta, yeah. you think? Yeah, yeah, you know, we try, we try, but you know. Uh, I think right. I so say... Let's get into the real deal shit. Okay, yeah. Man in the Moon, if starring believe... Reese Witherspoon in her film debut. Oh, what? Mm-hmm. Jason London, Sam Waterston, Tess Harper. She's fourteen. It and she knocks it out of the park. This She's is a so good. wonderful movie. Mm-hmm. I love Man in the Moon. It's fantastic. I was really blown away by it. Char- it charmed me in spite of itself. I was kind of prepared to not, I don't know, really be into it or just watch it with just like half my attention on it. But it really draws you in because all the performances are fantastic. I mean, Sam mm-hmm. Waterston, it, it took me a second to figure out it was him because I'm so used to him being a silver fox that like <laughs> seeing him so young like that kind of threw me. I had to look it up. But yeah, she is. I mean, you can just tell immediately she's a star. Yep. So really I, it's, again, it's a Southern coming of age story where, you know, she's got a crush on this older boy and they're going skinny dipping together. But then like family issues happen that are like pulling them apart or pushing them together. And, you know, it's, it's a, that, that it, it nails that feeling of like wanting to be older and trying to be older. Like, because you're, like you're 14, it's like, you're not a kid anymore, but you think you're an adult and you really aren't yet. And it's like the way you look back on that and are like, God, I was so stupid, but oh, to go back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those innocent times. Yeah. It's, uh, I really loved it a lot. And it's free on Tubi, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely recommend checking it out. I also weirdly this year read Mother of Pearl by Melinda Haynes, which pairs really nicely with this book or with this movie. So oh. just very similar Southern period pieces growing up in a different time and coming of age sort of thing. It's fantastic. Mm. Yeah, Man, Man in the Moon. I know we don't we don't say the titles as much as we should. Man in the Moon mm-hmm. with Reese Witherspoon, real damn good. And and see you. Yeah, you're right. This is where <laughs> this is where I chime in to say I prefer the documentary about this movie called Jim and Andy. I recommend that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Reese Witherspoon disappears into that role. It's oh my amazing. god! You think she's really? Andy Kaufman? Oh, when she it's pours wild. a drink over Paul Giamatti's head, it is, a, <laughs> and the crew did not know it was happening. I was I was trying to make a joke about not listening, but I. 
kind of was just waiting to get to that joke. Fair enough. Well, <laughs> you can take the next movie because it's right up there. <laughs> there you go. This movie's Have fucking terrible. Um, but it's it's part of that that odd trilogy of what Hulk Hogan was doing in between wrestling. This mm-hmm. movie, Suburban Commando, Hulk Hogan, Christopher Lloyd, and Shelley Duvall. I remember saying, like, I thought Christopher Lloyd could write his own ticket, but maybe I was incorrect because he's in this Hulk Hogan movie. Right. A Hulk Hogan movie where he plays uh, like a alien space guy. He's yeah. like a space cop who's fighting the evil bad guys. And then he hides out on Earth and ruins Christopher Lloyd's life and befriends their kid. And then there's space battles. It's so embarrassing. It's all <laughs> embarrassing. Hulk Hogan sucks. Do yourself a favor and watch one of the many videos. Uh, somebody collected all the lies Hulk Hogan has told, told in public recently. And that is the funniest shit I've ever heard. Like, I was the first person to slam Andre the Giant. He died like two days later. And like, wow, dude, like all of this can be verified. Uh, I was supposed to be, Darren Aronofsky wanted to be in The Wrestler, to which he responds, you were never, what are you talking about? (laughs) I did coke with John Belushi after WrestleMania 2. He was dead for four years. What are you, Hulk Hogan is a megalomaniac. And it's like one of the funniest lists of anything I've ever seen. Like all these blatant high school-esque lies from a man in his damn near 70s. That's what you should <laughs> enjoy with Hulk Hogan. Man, and I, I do want to point this out. As a little kid, I didn't appreciate this as much as I should have. Big Last year was the year of Joe Pesci. Mm-hmm. Um, got an Oscar for Goodfellas, even though it might have been this year. But he's in, he's, he's in Home Alone. So, like, everybody who watches movies knows who he is. And then I remember, like, after that, like, oh, this is when they try and make Joe Pesci the greatest solo star Hollywood can offer. And that was much shorter than I, <laughs> I was just living in the middle of it. And now I regret being in a world where like they were putting Joe Pesci as the star of every movie. Why, why wasn't I in the theater every week? But this is the big campaign. I remember like, I got to see this movie with this guy from Goodfellas and home alone. This movie <laughs> where he plays a superintendent with Ruben blades, Vincent Gardenia, the super. If you loved him in home alone and Goodfellas, <laughs> Come out, friend. wait till you catch Joe Pesci as slumlord Louis Whiskey. Do you, what kind of droppings those are? Moose droppings. Ah! Sentenced to live in his own building. How come the queen milkman? Because I killed the milkman. Joe Pesci. Ah. The Super. Looks like your automobile lost a little weight. Rated R. I, I watched this and didn't get a ton of it. It is just one of those movies that is not necessarily designed for adults, but all the jokes are based on inner city problems. Mm. And in terms mm. that like, did you know what a superintendent was living in rural Florida? Like, I- yeah, I mean, I knew what it. I've I had heard of it, mm-hmm. but I, it was like one of those things that was very unclear to me. Like as a child, because I've read so many like books set in New York with like little kids living in apartment buildings, and I just thought the super was just a guy who just hung around. Yeah, which I, I guess was, was like, what that's true. Are you the strongest man he in the world? Keys. I forget. I think he's like sentenced to be a superintendent in this movie. Right. Exactly. He's, he he and his dad Vincent Gardenia, which is the last film, sadly, but uh, he and his dad Vincent Gar- yeah. Gardenia are slumlords, and mm-hmm. they run a bunch of apartment buildings where they don't fix anything, and they're fucking terrible. And he is sentenced to live in one of his apartments for a month, and he's not allowed to fix it up unless he fixes every other apartment the same way. And I believe that's actually based on a true thing that a judge did. That sounds super familiar, actually. Right. Yeah. But it's written by Sam Simon, oh, one of the creators of The Simpsons. Yeah. Oh, cool. You know, honestly, this is one of those forgotten movies that I think is perfect for a remake. 
Yeah, right. why yeah. not? Why not? Yeah. You can have yeah. you can have you can have him become president in thirty years. Yeah, it's <laughs> timely, and it's just like you know something people are talking about a lot, and it's one of the movies that nobody's going to get mad if it gets remade. Yeah, well, no, those are the kind of movies you should remake. Yeah, Bad no, this movies is with good concepts. Nobody's exactly. favorite movie, and and there's there's something yeah. about this movie that is kind of enjoyable, warts and yeah. all. Because I, I are Joe Pesci. Yeah, right now. Oh, I don't know. Do we have one? Josh Maybe, Gad. I was just going to say Josh Gad. Yes. Um, <laughs> short, unfuckable, but in every other movie. Yeah, maybe Josh Gad. Yeah, but I love Joe Pesci. I really do. I think that guy's yeah, great. Me too. And, mm-hmm. and, we get to uh, talk about him, his best movie next year. I wonder what oh? is it Jimmy Hollywood? Better? Oh, Let gosh. me just, you'll just have to define for me, what is a grit? Oh, you are so right. That is his best movie. Uh, thank you. Oh, is Where it? was the Oscar? God damn it. Well, it went to the right person, but still for that movie. Um, uh, for the youths? I'm Those all over. Youths. Sorry. Still putting out there for Jimmy Hollywood. And this. You are so wrong. This is one of those rare occasions where like in the middle of the week, Diana's like, everybody, this yeah. movie. And I, I'm so glad you did <laughs> I, that because I, I might have just like slept I, through it or like uh, took a glance at it and like, oh, Diana's yeah. like, you need to see this. Oh, yeah. It's, I love when this happens when we like just rediscover a movie that's like, I thought I remembered it. Maybe I saw it and I remembered it as being like. Yeah, pretty straight, you know, cops versus killer kind of movie. And then rewatching, it was like, why is this not the king of all cult movies? This movie is batshit insane. This is, How is this made? This is this movie is fantastic. The most fun I had almost all. It's very similar to one of the other movies later in one of the decades. But like uh, my enjoyment. It's very similar to a movie that's going to come out in 1991, five weeks later. Yeah. Ice-T, Kev- <laughs> this, this cast, Ice-T, Kevin Pollack. All right, you got me. Don't have to put anybody else in the movie. Uh, but instead, they do with John Litgow and Denzel yes. Washington on his yeah. massive meteoric Denzel ascent. Yeah, uh, this and- is we're, we're right. We've just taken off on on the Denzel plane. But this is like, like a he's Denzel just becoming a star. But it's like, can he carry a movie? Because he's carried smaller indie movies, Mo Better Blues, mm-hmm. you know. But can he be like a movie star? The can he star carry a of gun? A movie. Can he play a cop? Can he be, you know, the person the audience roots for? And, and this is what he starts with. It's fucking insane. Ricochet wow. from 1991. Ricochet. Seven years ago, Nick Styles put him away for life. Austin, you made me famous. Now he's watching. I got things to live for. And waiting. Somebody's laughing. I can hear it in my blood. <laughs> For revenge. Now we're even, is that it? We're not even close. Oh, come on! Denzel Washington, John Lithgow, Ice T. Ricochet, rated R. You fuck with the wrong dude. That promo did not come anywhere close to the pulpy, bat shittery, and nope. wonderful set pieces you will find in 1991's Ricochet. It is absolutely wonderful. Thank you, Diana, for throwing up the flare. Right. And- so, yeah, the story is Cop Denzel Washington puts crime mini kingpin. No, it's just criminal John Lithgow away. And then fast forward, Denzel is now an assistant DA really on the rise. And John Lithgow has How become- you do. You go from a street beat cop right. to, to district attorney. That happens. Right. And now John Lithgow has gone fully the Joker <laughs> and has decided I need to ruin this guy's life. In He's as complicated John Lithgow, and bizarre way as passion. John Lithgow has a line in the movie that I've just been saying all day to uh, people in my life. You better floss. I will. 
with your wife's pubic hair. there are lines like that throughout the movie it is so much fun john lithgow is caught remember by the way because the front is taken so he jumps four stories out a window into a fucking carnival that is happening this movie is insane yeah why why not uh yeah so he's in prison he comes up with this we see some of his time in prison which includes him falling in with the aryan brotherhood and in what might be the greatest showdown of all time. Like we have a bunch of really good fights coming up, but John Lithgow, right. Jesse Ventura. Yeah. To the death. Yes. Wow. At some point, even I forgot during this movie, like in this movie, did John Lithgow and Jesse Ventura tape phone books to themselves and fight with jailhouse weaponry in, in medieval <laughs> yes. style? Yes, they did. This movie has everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. And then, okay, then there's like a uh, John Lithgow escapes in this complicated plot with in front of the parole board where there is horrific bloodshed. This movie brings the blood. It it gets gross. I, People yeah, are taking the, shotguns straight to the face. Are you? I, do you regret the crimes you committed? Oh, I don't know. I'm going to go to your house and fuck your wife and your daughter and maybe your dog. And then he turns out he's a pen that shoots bullets. Hits him in the, it's fucking crazy. Every second of this movie is crazy. <laughs> it's so great. And then once he escapes and he fakes his own death. So like every time he does something to Denzel, Denzel says like, it was John Lithgow. And they're like, he's dead. You're crazy. But it's like, oh. includes like breaking into his house and filming his family and abducting he Denzel. Gi- he gives him the him clap. He gives him the fucking clap. Uh, he's, yes. he's a married man. And he gives him the clap in this. This movie is outrageous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird that we have two Denzel movies and they both involve involuntarily doing drugs. Wow, that's true. <laughs> it's very strange that way. I really thought this was just a straightforward, you know, cops and robbers kind of thing. And see, it is so, so over the top. See this it's movie. Just, um, it's mind blowing. Like, you cannot believe they made this. Like You will, you will not believe Denzel gets basically raped at the bottom of an abandoned pool. There's, there's and, <laughs> Sarah's and eyes are like, oh. it, Lithgow films it and like gives it to his wife and the media. Yes. And, and then gives, and then also gives it the bozo dubbed over treatment. Oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. It's, it's like, I mean, I definitely, honestly, it's John Lithgow, so I definitely would expect this type of behavior from him. But Denzel... <laughs> Yeah, he not Den- so much. I was telling no, I my I, I was telling him. my dad it's so early in Denzel's career. I don't think he's settled on you know that one character he plays all the time. Sure. <laughs> so yeah. he's also like very, very, very physical in a way that I have not seen in a while. He changes octaves way more. Uh, mm. It's not just in his words; it's in his actions. He's very young here, and it's mm-hmm. transfixing to watch. And John Lithgow. I love it when he's used as someone menacing. It just doesn't happen yeah. often enough. And it this movie is a delight. It is a treasure. Yeah. It's, Ricochet it's of, is what it's called. Because you're going to say I didn't say it, even though I said it three times yeah. before and after the clip. Yeah. And it's available for rent. Uh, it's only streaming if you have Cinemax, unfortunately. Um, yeah. I love that Lithgow can do different kinds of menacing. He can do calm, quiet menace so freaking well. He's like it, my, know, my only positive memory of the anything, show Dexter. Yeah, uh, Dexter to blow out to even cliffhanger. Like he does quiet menace so well. But then when he does big crazy menace and I think, is he just, he's just an alien, right? He's just the character from Third Rock from the Sun. Yeah. It is so, it's scary, but in such a fun way. Like this movie does not stop. It is just energy the whole time. And Lithgow is a huge part of it. 
he's so ridiculous and so multifaceted. Like, truly the ultimate character actor, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because he really is, he plays a certain type, but then the continuum along that type is so wide. Yeah. You know, and it's all unhinged. I, I, I forget like on it, some level it's unhinged i mean lord farquaad come on yeah. he did that with voice acting like could you, i just i just uh, anyone else do we just farquaad? watched a, a rise of the planet of the apes where he plays like a doddering quiet alzheimer's patient but like the yeah. same year he has a loud screaming i'm john Lithgow, master thespian like kind of role he can do fucking anything that guy that guy's the shit he yeah. rules he really he does freaking rules i yeah ricochet might be my <laughs> we have like all these like we we got some awards shit in here and it's like i think ricochet might be my recommend of the week like, just because people need I, to see this movie i have not seen a movie like this in forever it's like wow. it's like what you think silly action comedies were but they never really went this far i, be- I believe this is supposed to be a dirty harry movie right but they oh. that's how it started but they oh. balked because like this is too dark <laughs> He's, wow. Is he going to kidnap he's going to kidnap Carrie Callahan in front of his family and shoot him up of, with cocaine and heroin? Like, yes, this is a thing that'll happen in this movie only now to Denzel. However, uh the exact tone of this movie, you need to please I'm begging all you racists, follow follow my lead here. Just pretend this is a prequel to Face Off. It is exactly the same in tone. And <laughs> and it is it is a cop uh who is being sought revenge by his mortal arch nemesis. It's the it's awesome. It is think of this as a I'm not kidding. So, so one of you YouTubers should make this this concept famous. This is a great face-off prequel. And it, and it would explain why the face-off begins with John Travolta sniping a child off of a carousel because he's that <laughs> he's he's somehow survived this weird LA incident from Ricochet and is back to get his revenge on Castor Troy or whatever the Archer, whatever. I forget their that movie makes Everyone's name very confusing, uh, but I would say see Ricochet. That shit was hilarious and Amen. violent as fuck. Um, yep. Very very yeah, good. not not for children's. <laughs> not for children's. Solid R, aggressive um, R. Oh, and and, and uh, you know I don't want to ruin it. Never mind. Uh, that, that like Ice T being in the. I was like, why is he in the movie? I'm like, okay, this is clever, neat. And, and that he is third billing is really weird because Kevin Pollock is really shoved in there to like, hey, could you do um, some impressions? Yeah. Do, do, <laughs> Do your Kevin Pollock thing. I know it's it's do, almost disappointing. Do he does his Columbo without being able to see his eye, and because he yeah. he does the and eye then, too. Ah, uh, and then it's got a big showdown at Watts Towers, which need to be used in more movies this way. Mm-hmm. I want to see people climbing Watts Towers and fighting. So cool. Yeah, everything about this movie is dope, and I'm fucking pissed. People, more people aren't talking about it. Yes, moving, everyone go watch it. Moving into television of 1991, I didn't remember. I, look, I wasn't really alive to appreciate Johnny Carson. I do so through older people I admire, but I don't remember. They they did 24th and 29th anniversary shows, I think, because they're hilarious. And <laughs> there are so many funny dead people on this show, you wouldn't believe it. Robin Williams, Gary Shandling, Albert Brooks, who's not dead, is there. Uh, but I just captured one little joke, because if you follow talk show drama like I do... This tells you what era we're in. It's Johnny Carson's 29th anniversary. We're in 1991. He will be on the earth, I think, for another 18 months. So if I saw, just forgive that, because we got a great show and a lot of good stuff to show you. So I was out with the cold. Between the cold and Leno's motorcycle, uh, (laughs) Letterman may get this job yet. They, They are both on the special. 
Uh, and Leno the, too. Both Leno and Letterman are wow. on the special, and everybody knows what's going on. The audience went goes insane with that joke. The timeline isn't exactly clear to me. I've just watched the lay shift a ton of times, but uh, <laughs> but you always forget. Like, yeah, for a brief period, Letterman followed Leno. That yeah, very yeah, brief that's, period. That's where it it started. I mean, Leno was the guest host for Carson, well, I, which would take well, I a substantial I, amount of time off every year. I always thought Letterman quit when they gave Leno the job. Like, no, he they had shows following one another when Johnny yeah. left mm-hmm. uh, for a while. Oh, oh my God. Another Sam Watterson joint? Man, that guy's yeah. busy this week. We have a lot of people doing double duty within the same... That's so true. Without Within the same decade this week. I, let me think. Who we got? Um, we got Larry Miller all over the place this <laughs> week. We got Max Mangelov shows up twice. Anthony Mackie shows up twice. Uh, yeah, people. It's uh, a busy season. <laughs> and what is this? This is I'll Fly Away, starring Regina Taylor and Sam Watterson. Yeah. Oh, and Jeremy and Jason London. And oh, which right. One of them. One of them was just in uh, Man in the Moon. That's I right. Which one? Uh, Jason. Oh, so busy. There are moments when you can't look back. A year ago, my wife had a breakdown. Moments when people lose sight of themselves. She's supposed to be the maid, Nathan. And families find faith in each other. Daddy, you're home. The Boston Herald calls it a compelling drama. Sleep tight. I'll fly away. Previews Monday and premieres Tuesday on it. There's something about their goddamn, like, Price's Right horns instead of Louis Armstrong singing that song. <laughs> yeah. Um, it seems to be a pretty heartwarming television program that is about a woman who play, is a housekeeper for a family with the patriarch is an attorney and she uh, she's black and she becomes like more in the civil rights movement set during the 1960s and then kind of brings the white family that she works for along with her um, into the civil rights movement. And it got really good reviews and uh, went on for two seasons. Yep. And one of the staff writers was David Chase. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it was created by uh, Joshua Brand and John Falsey also created uh, Northern Exposure, which was on at this time. So, yeah, I remember this being like super critically acclaimed and being like, well, that ain't going to last. That looks too good. Mm -hmm. It it also just looks good. Like it looks very well done, too. I looked at a couple different promos for it. And uh, I wanted to give a shout out to the real Ghostbusters during this uh, especially spooky season. Um, Great show. I've I've met now two people in my life who discovered the movies after the show, falling in love with the show. Uh, Great action figures. Legitimately, some legitimately scary episodes. Perhaps one of the finest animated intros you will ever find. Try and look up the four minute version. It's great. And but if you're looking for spooky episodes that you can watch with your kids, Ghostbusters is pretty cool. The the boogeyman is this great character and is pretty terrifying. But this is the finale after seven seasons, hundred and forty episodes over five years. Cartoons of this syndicated cartoons never last this long, and I'm, it's. I think this is this is part of the reason Ghostbusters stuck around so long. I think is because it had a good cartoon. That, that wa- was definitely my first exposure to the Ghostbusters. Right. Was the cartoon for sure? I mean, I remember I didn't watch a ton of cartoons growing up, but I do remember seeing this having it was on here and there, mm-hmm. and then uh, I definitely had the Play Doh set. Oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> all the shapes that you squeeze out, mm-hmm. loved that. But yeah, this was definitely now like seeing this uh, the images from this totally jogs right. my memory. Slimer's Ecto Cooler was a high C flavor that I think went into the two thousands. It's like one of yes. the longest yep. branding of any foods beyond other than Flintstones products. Yeah, and uh, we have the last episode uh, mm. this week. Boohoo! Now Arsenio Hall. 
Dave Coulier and Lorenzo Music have to go get other jobs. Mm. But, um, mm. I think yeah. they should start a band. <laughs> For real. Uh, and then also that this week we have the Seinfeld episode, a classic, The Pen. The Pen. I wanted to pull a clip from it, but honestly, the whole vibe of the, this episode is so great. You just should just watch the whole episode because Jerry and Elaine go down to visit Jerry's parents in Florida, staying at their condo at the Pines of Mar Gable's Phase 2, <laughs> which I just love the names because, look, if you're not from Florida, and especially right. if you haven't been around Central and South Florida very much, you may not know that, yes, that's what these places are called. And they are extremely political, and they are extreme. It, it, the way the people are portrayed in Seinfeld at these places is this completely accurate the level <laughs> the level accurate. of adult drama my grandparents yes. lived right next to john travolta's airport a, a little suburb the size of manhattan called on top of the world oh we, my god we, on there top of the billboards world. for that when you go yes. down 75 yeah if you're yeah. driving to disney world yes. you'll see it's a, comes if you lived it on top of the world you'd have a great fucking time right now yeah just, it's just billboards of all the people who have set the this earth on fire for the rest of us just having the time of their yeah. lives <laughs> i used Bowling, to play golfing. i used to i used to play santa in their christmas ceremony oh my because God. They, they got a huge <laughs> kick out of that a young santa uh, but, i just uh, my my one complaint about seinfeld in florida is i wanted more places with terrible spanish names that meant something funny that i could laugh at no <laughs> with my basic yeah. ass spanish Del Boca Vista. <laughs> Del Boca really Vista good name. is really is that good. The, is that the party mouth? The mouth view? The, yeah. Oh. What is it? Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. Um, but <laughs> for me, also, the most accurate part is that Elaine has to sleep like in the guest bedroom yes. on a pull-out couch, which causes her back to get completely fucked up. And she can't sleep because they, they turn the air conditioner off at night, which is just... Hundred percent, your Florida grandparents and my <laughs> so, yeah. current. The parents. whole episode is fantastic. The only episode where you don't see George. Mm. Wow. Yep, and only one of two episodes that you don't see Kramer. We already had the first one, which was the Chinese restaurant, the most classic episode. If you if you um, watch the, the box set, episode of all time, the box set. Again, the Seinfeld box set is one of the best DVD sets you can own. Mm -hmm. And Jason Alexander admits, like, and I don't know why I did this, but like they didn't put me in this episode. And they like he I raised a giant stink and said, if you ever do that again, I will quit. There are no to be no episodes without me ever again. <laughs> Good for him. Uh, I mean, now imagine you've been doing the show for ten years and like, how about most episodes without me? <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, uh, take a page from Carson, man. Take time off when you can. Right. Yeah, that's true. Right, but uh, this again, my favorite part is this is the first time they go to Florida, which is yeah, it's always fun to see someone accurately make fun of Florida. A lot of people don't accurately make fun of Florida. No, I'm, I'm looking at you, Office. Mm -hmm. The Tallahassee <laughs> episodes. Has anyone been to Tallahassee? Come on, Office in almost every late night comedian's monologue. Uh, you don't know what you're talking about, but yeah, uh, Florida is different. Yeah, that's good. I saw an interesting question earlier that was, what would happen if Florida fought all the killer fauna from Australia? You just want another season of that goddamn Greatest Warrior show. I do. <laughs> Florida, <laughs> what is it? Florida versus all fauna? <laughs> Technically, Florida man versus Australian fauna. Oh, <laughs> And I think the number one answer was, what if they breed? And it was like, oh, oh well, no. then we all die. Oh, no. Yeah. They'll find, life finds a way. Life finds That's a way. true. And then on the fifth, SNL 
Uh, your host, Jeff Daniels, with musical guest, Color Me Bad. Uh, I think Jeff Daniels, surprisingly good SNL host. I think, like, sure. I don't know that That's he... He's got comedy chops. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't know who he was until the year of Speed and Dumb and Dumber. I just didn't. Uh, I hadn't seen something wild yet. And even, and even watching movies like that, like, who would think this guy's a good host? But, like, pretty versatile, pretty funny. It's yeah. one of the only, if you were wondering if there were more episodes of the Chris Farley show that don't have Paul McCartney, this is one of the only ones. He's with Jeff Daniels. That's and, right. And his, his monologue is railroaded by Dana Carvey, who does an impression on how to do the monologue that to this day is so spot on. Okay, you're going to sprint a little bit, and then you're going to do a skip, and then a jump at the end of the band, and then you're going to point. You can do the point point, or you can do the falling star. You. You. <laughs> every physical body motion that everybody does during the monologue, Dana Carvey runs through that and basically is given a monologue to showcase this. Video games of 1991. No specific dates of anything big, but like again, Sonic is giving Nintendo a run for its money in the biggest way possible. Throughout October, Sonic will have the best-selling game on all platforms, which Ooh. is pretty huge because like Nintendo's still doing respectable business, but there's one game out there doing better. And that's that's gonna it's gonna make for some interesting commercials throughout the uh the next five years anyway music of 1991 october 1st through the 7th new releases i'm not sure i looked this up a long time ago this might be the second to last album by kid and play because mm. they just calling it quits face the nation by kid and play is out this week the self-titled debut of orbital i love it when you see like two completely different musical eras and genres somehow having an album come out in the same week orbital and kid and play yeah. Uh, yeah, you, they, you heard crazy. them both at the skating rink. Um, <laughs> Stars by Simply Red, Storyville by Robbie Robertson, Diamonds and Pearls by Prince, uh, For they My Broken Heart by Reba McIntyre. Reba has releases in two decades, but in That's different true. mediums. Ooh, um, la la. And Apocalypse 91, The uh, Enemy Strike Back by Public Enemy, which courted controversy uh, with the song By the Time I Get to Arizona, which protests uh, Arizona refusing to recognize MLK Day with a video showing them attacking the governor with automatic weapons. Um, yeah. Pretty dumb, Arizona. Pretty dumb. Yeah. No, it took them quite a while. And uh, it was nice that Public Enemy drew attention to it, but it's extra creepy now to watch you know a squad of guys in military gear a little militia if you will with automatic weapons going into a government building to blow away the governor and it's like i think there's there's <sighs> there's very few reasons to attack to assassinate anyone in power but if they're denying you a day off in perpetuity go for it man like fuck that mm. shit anybody who's depriving an entire state of a day off for being a racist Fuck you. Yeah. Mass nah, that's a general strike thing. That's yeah. a that's a mass walkout. Like you're not giving me this day off, I'm taking this day yeah, off. Among, uh, yeah. among other take reasons. A, to take a page from France. Stay yeah. home and drink a tiny coffee. <laughs> Smoke a cigarette, you know? Well, you can't even do that anymore in the UK. God, things used to yeah, be. Yeah, no commercials means you cannot smoke <laughs> cigarettes. That is the perfect logic. That actually does yeah. Uh, I'm sure Rush I'm sure there was a Rush Limbaugh in the UK so that said something <laughs> very similar to what I just said. But oh my God. holy shit, right in the middle of all this like Music from last decade and from the future. You got Good Vibrations by Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, and it's number one this week. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I, this song is so embarrassing, and yet I love this song. It's, yeah. it's not a bad it's, song, it is, but the video is the, so much fun. The video, like, the video Funky is, Mark is the worst part of it. The video is really <laughs> stupid. 
it's yes. true for a lot of things. The video, the video is not only stupid, it didn't help itself. There were two Sega CD games released that were basically allowing you to edit and remix music videos, and this was one of them. So you got all this shirtless Marky Mark footage pointing at the camera. Yeah, boy. I never thought he'd outlive the silliness of this video, but here we are. Mark Wahlberg having a career in the face of not stopping 9-11 and stabbing an Asian man into blindness. Um, the, the man can apparently do no wrong. <laughs> Let's close out with his immortal good vibrations. It's way better than the Beach Boys original. Uh, but when we get back, oh, I cannot wait to talk about more Denzel. Goodness. Stay right there, everyone. Autumn is in the air. The pumpkins are in the patch. And our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure you don't uh, (laughs) carve your pants pumpkins or your Thanksgiving gourd when you're grooming your patch. You know what I mean. Make sure you're keeping things fresh this fall with the Leaders in Male Grooming and their brand new fourth generation performance package. And this season, get 20% off those grooming needs by going to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping using the promo code LASERTIME. Because, hey guys, just because it's the Halloween season, it doesn't mean you should walk around looking like the wolf man. Come on, fellas. There's going to be plenty of sexy costuming afoot, so you got to step up your game a little bit with the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. The fourth generation lawnmower trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced and safe technology. Plus, it's waterproof. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker to chop those worst weeds up top in your nose and ears. This nose and ear hair trimmer uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system to provide proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. (laughs) Seal the deal with a Manscaped Crop Preserver Bowl Deodorant, which will have your balls smelling as delicious as pumpkin spice lattes on a chilly autumn morning. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and shed travel bag are you ready to fall head over heels for manscaped yet join the two million men worldwide using manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20 percent off and free shipping using the promo code laser time that's one word laser time once again that's 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code laser time at manscaped.com make your balls a priority this fall it's a fall ball choose manscaped because your balls will thank you Coming in 2001 with Kylie Minogue, Can't Get You Out of My Head, off of Fever. And what a weird perspective Americans have on Kylie Minogue. Like, introducing Kylie Minogue and, like, the rest of the world's like, what are you talking about? That's like with Robbie Williams, same thing. Yeah. Like, a little bit. Holy shit, is this song still so fucking Except she'd had had hits here before, and she was in Street Fighter the movie like seven years ago. Yeah. So she wasn't an entirely unknown. This song was just so big compared to like what America's perception was of her, but she's like a huge star overseas. Yeah, everywhere else. And here she was like a one hit wonder for the locomotion. And it was like a joke. Yeah. Like, who the fuck is that? She just came and went. And it's like, uh, everyone else is still on the Minogue train. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird how it's just like sometimes 
with people, it just takes them a couple times before they pop, you know? Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. And some and some other mu- new music from the period of October 1st to the 7th in 2001. We got post-9-11 hits. I'm sure they don't like being <laughs> referred to as such. Love is Here by Star Sailor. The Fake Sound of Progress by The Lost Prophets. Beautiful Garbage by Garbage. Songs from the West Coast by Elton John. Supercharger by Machine Head. Pain is Love by Ja Rule. Victoria Beckham's self-titled settler debut. And Fantasies and Delusions, an album of classical compositions. And that's the last Billy Joel studio album to date. I did not even realize that. I did. Wow. Yes. Billy Joel has not put out an album in 20 years. Last one he did. And he has his classical composition. And he hasn't put out any music he's written since 1994. And Damn. when asked why, he just, if you don't remember what he sounds like, I just fucking couldn't think of it. it. Like, it wasn't as good as the other stuff. And no one wants to see that. And like, okay. Like, uh, <laughs> no, okay. They're like, yeah, I put it all on my, I, I wrote music since, since I was a little kid and aged out of it no one wants to hear my old 50 year old song 50 year old guy songs and 70 year old guy songs i mean honestly know thyself you know it's it's oddly fun to hear and i don't even have the right word but like yeah just like i I wasn't able to write anything as good so why bother interesting wish we all had the kind of money to retire that early Mm. but uh fallen by alicia keys is still number one man i was trying to find some news well we had (laughs) a lot of news (laughs) It's still, you know, what, three weeks after 9-11? We're still coping, dealing. A lot of it's in TV, the stuff that's newsish. So, I mean, no. the, one of the TV episodes that is out this week is basically news, non-canonical to that TV show news. So we'll get to it. Yeah. Movies of 2001. Mm, bunch of stuff I didn't see because it looked terrible. Oh, Not- no, there's a couple, There's a good one in here that you probably haven't heard of. Max Keeble's Big Move? No. Oh, my bad. Tita <laughs> um, Gray, no, Josh Peck, Alex D. Lynn. Yeah, it's a, a Disney movie starring the kid that took over the Home Alone series, I believe, that is about like, oh, he finds out he's going to move out of town. And so now is his chance to just like wreak havoc on all the bullies. Mm-hmm. And then he learns like, oh, that was a mean thing to do. Also, you're not moving, so you should probably fix that. And like all the reviews were like, yeah, little kids will like it. There's not much here for adults. So you're telling me Joyride is your movie of the week. Joyride is my movie of the week here. It's no. my it's my my hidden my hidden gem of the week here. Okay, good because the other one that's not the big one is spoiler alert bad. Oh god. Oh, but no, Joy Joyride is Joyride's a solid spooky season movie. Um it's kind of dual with Paul Walker, Steve right. Zahn, Lily Sobieski. Paul Walker and Steve Zahn are on a road trip. They get a CB radio and they start fucking with this guy. And like, I'm a hot lady and I want to meet with you. And it turns out that the guy, well, they should have picked up that because he's he's voiced by uh, Ted Levine, Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. That should have pegged them that uh, that dude is crazy. And he starts stalking them and terrorizing them in his giant truck. Oh my and yeah, I mean, dumb B-movie premise that is like elevated. Which is another theme for this episode. We have a couple movies that are like, this is B-movie and formulaic, but done about as well as you can do a formulaic B-movie. And I'm going to put Joyride in there. It's like, it's low budget. We have a pretty good idea where this is going to go, but it's got some good twists and turns, some scary bits. And yeah, it's fun. Getting terrorized by truckers, yeah. All right. Yeah, Joyride. I'll say it again. Um, I won't say that about this next movie, yeah. which terrorized oh. me in a different way. Yes. Oh, my God. I avoid like the plague. Uh, Kate Beckinsale, John Cusack, and Serendipity. She's beautiful. Favorite New York moment. This one's climbing the charts. She's daring. Favorite sexual position? Maybe you should give me your phone number. Fate's telling us to back off. She's 
gone. That's just crazy. But for one man... I gotta find this girl messing with my head. The search is just beginning. Just tell me your name. When you put it that way, no. Serendipity. Years ago, she probably looked like Baby Spice, but now, Old Spice. Rated PG-13. <laughs> Oh, this fucking movie. Uh, Fuck this fucking shit. (laughs) Okay, first of all, let me get this out. The caucasity of this movie. (laughs) To not only be this terrible. Is that Caucasian audacity? (laughs) Yes. Not only be this terrible and not only have everyone in this movie be such idiots with the exception of Molly Shannon, who is great and everything and I love her. But then to also cast Bridget Moynihan and fucking John, what's his name, Aiden Corbett. from Sex Aiden. and the City. John Corbin. Mm-hmm. Both people who were cuckolded by Carrie and Big in Sex and the City, and now <laughs> they are being cuckolded by John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale in this movie. That is, uh, Isn't so, that weird? That is a mean typecasting. <laughs> that's so bizarre to me that that's the casting that they went with. Yeah, like, we would like, that, you, I mean, we'd like you to play rejected lovers for the rest of your life. This is like the... Er, rom com of everything I hate in rom coms. Right, that's like, what I'm yes. reading about it. You managed to fit everything. You got a manic pixie dream girl. You got arbitrary separation of you know people. You got rich fucking New Yorkers who don't seem to have actual jobs or problems at all. It just everything is so contrived, so aggressively contrived, so contrived. And ah! two people who could not. Like, live their lives so stupidly. Like, this whole idea. So the idea is that, like, she believes in serendipity. So they have this magical night together, which is just, like, having literally they're just having the most surface level conversation you could possibly have and then at the end of the night he's like i've got to have your number we must be together and she's like no instead i'll write my number on a or i'll write your number on a five dollar bill and if it comes back to me it means we're supposed to be together and then i'll write my number on a book and then sell it to a used bookstore and if it comes back to you you find me we're supposed to be together and that's, that's it a- that's a recipe to be alone the rest of your yeah. life. I know. I mean, it, it, if I win the lottery, we are meant to be. And so, yeah. because this genius level plan that she put forth, then they get to fast forward in 10 years where then instead of, you know, living their life together and possibly being happy for the next 10 years or not, who cares? They get to ruin two people's lives. <laughs> One on the eve of her wedding day. Yeah, exactly. I, why, why? Why? How? Why? Once again, Bridget Moynihan did not deserve to be treated that way. No, no, no. I just, uh, why? Like, what is the appeal? Like who, someone wrote this thinking like, this is so cute and sweet. And it's about like being soulmates and fates bringing you together. And it's like, no, it sounds like it's about crazy people who can afford a lot of plane tickets, who can just constantly (laughs) jet wherever, like on the chance of maybe finding a book somewhere. And it's like, oh, and it all works out because it's meant to be because a screenwriter said so. (laughs) And uh, just the fact that they, the book in question that she writes her name in is Love in the Time of Cholera, (laughs) a very good book that does not deserve to be used in this manner, first of all. It should have been Men Are From Mars. It 100% (laughs) should have been. Or like The Great Gatsby. No, not The Great Gatsby. That's good. Catcher in the Rye. <laughs> That's right. I'm coming for you. <laughs> Scott Fitz. Soup for the crate and barrel soul. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. And I, I saw this when it came out 
as like a gal pal sleepover weekend. I even remember the movie theater we went to because it was probably one of the last times we went to that decrepit ass movie theater in the in the Good Mall in Pensacola. And I remember coming out of it and being like, I hated this and this is very stupid. And then I rewatched it again this weekend just to test myself and I hated it even more. So <laughs> yeah. guess what? Did not hold up. Or did hold up, and it's not holding up. This, uh, this movie also has a digitally removed 9-11 uh, towers. I know that nobody wants me to call the Twin Towers that, but I did, and here we are. Mm. And it's. Right. I think it's also the last time John Cusack had Jeremy Piven tag along with him in the movie. Because I, th- I think that happened like half a dozen times. They were really, really <laughs> good friends. Really? Yeah. I'm saying that because John Cusack, even at this point, was a pretty good mark of quality. He was even mm-hmm. shepherding some of his own scripts through. So it's, this is like, I mean, I remember reading the review. He like, just oh, dude. had America's Sweethearts. Well, uh-huh. that, that's a summer movie, but like, you know, we're like off of like High Fidelity and Gross Point and Blank. And like, those are all like interesting movies he like got made rather than yeah. starred in. Uh, and, so this is one for the money then. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, one for me, one for them. That makes sense. Fuck, and I love that we have not in 1991, not the first movie where Denzel plays a cop, you know, Mighty Quinn. I always have to shout that out because that's a hidden gem. But we've had 10 years of Denzel being a star Mm -hmm. and we've gotten used to what he does. He does the kind of the same thing every time with little variations. And then he just like, fuck you and shakes it up and turns it all on his head. And I was thinking, how many times has Denzel played a bad guy? We, Sam and I had the same conversation when we watched this movie. I can think of twice. Yeah, this and fences. And they're kind yeah. of both my favorite movies with a minute. I'm not necessarily as racist as the Academy in that sense, because I don't feel like mm. there's other roles I would have rewarded him for before that. This this is just being so different and unpredictable and like mm-hmm. I've never felt scared by Denzel's presence. Yeah. Oh. Well and, because it uses his natural charisma to fuck with you. Yeah. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh like right right from the beginning, Snoop Dogg, Cliff Curtis, Scott Glenn. Ethan Hawke, Denzel Washington, number one at the box office, to Raining Day. There's some profoundly evil people walking the streets right now. I don't handicap myself with rules. You ain't no police. Stop that fool. It can't be like this. I'm police. King Kong ain't got nothing on me. You never know. That's the point. Well, you know, it's it's easy to like this movie because unlike a lot of other Denzel movies, this was shown on HBO for like 80 years. Like (laughs) you could like I saw this again without having to try, where it's like it's kind of difficult as a white dude to see Denzel shown on television. Like uh, like there was some (laughs) HBO. He was in a lot of rated R movies. So I think that has a lot to Uh. do with it. But, yeah, it's like getting to what we were just saying. I, I was thinking like, yeah, there, there's a big difference between Denzel breaks the law in a lot of movies, mm-hmm. but for moral reasons, mm-hmm. such as Man on Fire, which mm-hmm. was re- a remake of a Scott Glenn movie. And there's Scott Glenn. <gasps> and then this where it's like, oh, morality is just completely out the window with this guy. He thinks he's being moral, but there is for like a larger moral purpose. Or at least that's what he says. But yeah, oof, he is. um he is one scary motherfucker. And the fact that he has a badge makes him the most dangerous man in the universe. Yeah. I mean, I think that that is a great question though, that I don't think the movie fully answers is that does he think that he's being a moral person? Does he think that he's like exacting his own 
I think like, he does. He does morality in his own way, or do you think that he's yes. fully like this is the I'm surviving the only way that you I'm, can I'm both survive. I'm both surviving and creating order out of this chaos that I've grown up into mm-hmm. because he's making all like all these fucking decisions by being this. Uh, I, I I had it wrong. I thought the shield came out first, but I think that shield might be kind of a response to Training Day. But a cop oh, yeah. with like no. It's going to sound that, but like with like no real set of rules, like corrupt cops were revealed at the end of the movie, not at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think this movie is interesting. I hadn't really seen anything like it. Well, and that's why it's so disorienting for Ethan Hawke, because mm-hmm. he never knows, like, is this some big lesson that I'm going to be getting? Actually, there's a really interesting parallel between this movie and a TV premiere that we're going to talk about, which bear with me. Scrubs also premieres this week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I see where you're going. Interesting parallel. We could talk more about Scrubs when we get to TV, but if you look at the relationship between the two characters, the protege, mentor, mentee sort of situation, it's an interesting comparison. Um, I see it. I see yeah. where you're going with that. Yeah. So I'm on the basic story in case you haven't seen it, which come on, you really, really should have. Denzel Washington is a veteran narcotics officer. Ethan Hawke is on the first day on the job and is on riding along with him. And is getting his hard lesson of what you do on the streets and how you make it work. And um, yeah, all takes place in one day, 5 a.m. to midnight. And uh, it's a very long, very terrible day for Ethan Hawke. It does not get much worse. He has guns in his face. I lost count. I think four or five times where he's got a gun straight in his face. And sometimes it stands out like, yeah, I'm just fucking with you. And sometimes it's, no, it's a guy's about to blow his fucking face off. It's, it's, it's <sighs> so, it's, it's really keeps you on edge. Also too, as you're watching it and you're really like invested emotionally in the situation and it's tense and it's menacing and it's frightening. And oh my God, there's Macy Gray. And then also <laughs> Terry Crews is here. And then also Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre is here. Dude, Terry Crews doesn't even get a line. I He's know. just standing there. Sam and I were like, wait a minute. Yep, that's Terry Crews. Okay. And then I was like, I think that's Macy Gray, but mainly from the voice, I feel like I can recognize her. And there she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, yeah I, no, it's going to be so good. Everybody's so good. Direction by Anton Fuqua is just never, never come. He's never done as well. I think he's a really talented director. I'd like to see him branch out more. I mean, like Magnificent Seven remake is probably the last big thing everyone noticed from him. It's like he does a lot of really smart things in here that sometimes put you in Ethan Hawke's position and sometimes puts you in a third party position. I always love Cliff Curtis as a Mexican gangster, which is like what he did with his it's like his whole career. Dude's dude's a Kiwi. <laughs> but I, he just looks like such a vato that he's always gets in these movies. I, I I feel like yeah, he he's played a lot of different roles throughout the world. Um but every time we see him in something, Sam's like, hey Cliff Curtis, and then I always same exact conversation. Hey, there's Cliff Curtis. And then I say, Hey, I love that guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> But yeah, he's so good. It's also, though, so I, again, I saw this when it first came out and then remembered liking it. I was like, let's watch this again. It's not as prestige as I remembered it being or as much yeah. as I thought it was going to be, think honestly, that's, that's why, but that's in why, a good way. That's, good why, way. that's why it was kind of sho- shocking for it to be nominated for an Oscar because it like okay. it is a crowd pleaser through and through. It is not yeah. prestige. There's no ambiguity in this movie at all. It is It is a Warner Brothers fucking movie meant to thrill you. But it is an original Warner Brothers movie, uh, crime thriller. Yeah. And, 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 and sort have... of the rise of David Ayer, the screenwriter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's who, true. who would write a uh, billion other movies set in the same place with the same tone. Yeah. Uh, End of Watch is pretty good. 
Um, oh, yeah, that is good. But I mean, I love that because as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, does this hold up after 20 years? And it's like, yeah, obviously. But it's like, are there problems? And I realized, well, every bad guy is black or Latino until we meet like Denzel's superiors. And we realize, right. oh, Tom Berenger, you son of a bitch. It's the whole, it really is that the system is corrupt all the way up. And that's why he can be as corrupt as he is. And then you get to the end, which the first time I watched it, I was sort of like, I don't know. And I got it a lot better this time where it's like, you know, he goes into this super hard neighborhood where they're like immediately signaling to people that, oh, fuck, he's here. And it's not that, oh, fuck, the cops are here. It's, oh, fuck, Denzel is here. Yeah. Yes. This guy and, is terrorizing us. Right. And he's like, oh, no, you know, they they all know not to fuck with me because I treat him with respect. It's like, no, you terrorize this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And color has nothing to do with it. Is you are a corrupt cop terrorizing these people, and they are sick of it. And it's done so well in one line when yeah. he's walking up to the building, and he's like, you know, one of the guys from the neighborhood is like, "Hey, thank you for doing that favor for my nephew." And he's like, "Yeah, no problem. I got your back." And as he walks away, the guy's like, "Fucking asshole! <laughs> like, I hate that guy." So I mean, yeah. it's so quickly. Oh, now we get really what yeah. this neighborhood is about. Yeah, and Very I was well thinking, done. like, I w- really was wondering if David Ayer wrote the screenplay to star a black guy or if this was just colorblind casting, mm. because if he was played by a white cop, then it would seem very different. But and, it, it could still happen, like, almost line for line. Oh, it's it's the same movie, but the subtlety is now gone. Yeah. Because, the it, like I said, the issue is not race. The issue is power. Mm-hmm. And Denzel has a badge, and therefore he has all the power. And yeah, but he's, I don't know. He, he could have more sympathy for these folks. We don't know his background or like where he came up, or is he from the streets, or is he from like a nice neighborhood? Who the fuck? Yeah, that's knows? what I couldn't remember if his like if this used to be his neighborhood because that would explain a lot of his his power dynamics. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I used to get my ass kicked here, and now I'm going to rain hell over it if anybody mm-hmm. gets out of line. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, and oh, it's so devious. Like the the level of chicanery he gets up to setting up this whole little scheme that he has mm-hmm. it's like as you get to the end of the movie you realize oh my god oh. two scenes ago he set that up but he's been he's been playing us all the whole time wow. i mean he's, he actually says i've been planning this for weeks which when he says that you're like oh, it's like, like oh my god shit. yeah oh, this is shit. crazy and just to watch ethan hawk see that come to terms with it each step along the way, okay, this guy is, like, not great. Okay, this is bad. Okay, I think I might be in real danger here. Like, and he still doesn't really understand how much danger he's in until he is, he, you know, he almost eats it, basically. So it's, hmm. oof, it's yeah. fantastic. He's done yeah, so well. He And he's, Ethan Hawke is fantastic in this, too, of just him very gradually sort of, like, Okay, I'll cross this line. Well, I don't really have a choice this time. Okay, I'll cross this line until finally it's like, oh, we are done here. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it's. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, has Denzel been in any podcast lately? I would love to hear somebody talk to him for like two and a half hours. So, but, but Ethan Hawke has been, and like everybody asks him about this movie, and he's just yeah. like, yeah, like the scariest fucking thing I've ever done. Like, dude's top I line bet. movies, but like Denzel's playing the villain against me and. I both have to be prepared and relax. It's it was fu- yeah. it was like a nightmare. And how how much of the movie is just the two of them talking? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He said, 
Yeah, I think it was on WTF Mark Marin. He Ethan Hawke said that he went back and watched basically everything Denzel Washington yeah. did. It was like reviewing game video for like a football <laughs> game, basically. <laughs> like that's how he approached the role because he knew he was going to have to be that good in order to act in that yeah, way. I think he said, "I, I can't let Denzel. him. I can't let him steamroll me because, like, right. I, I have to like give a natural response to this dude yeah. instead Which of this actor who wonder, very much he? intimidates me." Did he watch Ricochet? <laughs> and did he watch that other uh, movie that I loved that we watched with Bob Hoskins? Oh, Mermaids? God, Heart Condition. Heart oh. Condition. <laughs> I, I just think this is like one of the coolest. This If this movie came out in the 70s, we would never have stopped talking about it. So when people mm. wonder, like, should Training Day it, still be a classic? Like, yeah, I think so. It, it, still yeah. feel, it absolutely feels like a 70s movie. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. it's dirty, it's grimy, and then like, you know, Denzel's Oscar win, I, I get that. Like, why is he winning for this role rather than the other roles? And like, there's some justification there just in that Denzel had been giving very similar, like, he should have won it for probably Malcolm X, but like, the, yeah. and then he gave pretty similar performance until this Halle Berry Huh, colors it the the conversation into kind of a weird area where you do have to think about what the Academy rewards and what it doesn't. Well, so I mean, in, in this point in this cruise, last movie was Remember the Titans. Yeah, which is fuck that movie. Yeah, mm. a, a movie that yes, of course he's good in. It's yeah. easy. He he can do that in his sleep. Before that, you know, he did like the Hurricane. I think was fuck his last movie. Oscar nomination. Saw it in theaters. Fuck that movie. <laughs> is a good performance yeah. in just sort of a meh movie. Dumb movie. Never watch but, it again. But again, it's sort of like. Yeah, we we've seen him do this. We know he does this. Yeah, <laughs> we got it. He can not that's it's not stretching. And this is like just it's like taking our what we think we know of this guy and our affection for him and just just punching us in the stomach over and over with. <laughs> yeah, it's his. It, is this the only movie he won an Academy Award for? It's one supporting actor for Glory. Right. Okay. Well, not, I mean, this is like very similar, I think, to Tom Cruise and Magnolia. Huh. You know, hmm. seeing someone go because he's not totally going. He's not pulling a Michael Douglas and Wonder Boys where you're you've never seen this <laughs> type not. of character before. He still has like all the charisma and the Denzelness, but just turned channeled, towards channeled evil. in the wrong direction. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's yeah. what makes it super interesting. Now, now I want to see Denzel like do his own Wonder Boys. That would be even more fun to see. He's one of the few actors we'll talk about today with no so Marvel or DC affiliation so <laughs> I still find that mm. interesting people have held out what? and and because okay. I mean there's an older villain with his name on it I would guess in the next yeah. five years oh but, my god if he were the villain in a Black Panther movie oh shit <gasps> <laughs> no shit Oscars for everybody um, everyone I mean I kind of hear they're looking for a new Black Panther so if he really wanted to well. throw himself in there I mean, he's 66, though. Come on. Kind of forever. You know, I, I mean, he's sort of moved into, you know, doing some light action stuff again with, like, the Great Equalizer Panther. movies. But, yeah, Great see. Panther. <laughs> yeah, and it leads me to believe, like, what's he doing now? I haven't seen him really? since Fences. Because he made like, I mean, chill you know, uh, Roman J. Israel Esquire. Right. He's supposed to be pretty good in. <laughs> I only uh, know that name because I believe there was a, a nightclub Stefan promised he'd be at. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but he worked a lot with Tony Scott, and yeah. and uh, we don't have him anymore. And yep. I don't know. Oh, I, actually, you know what? The next thing he's doing is we're finally getting Tragedy of Macbeth, directed by Joel Cohen, right. which looks lit. Oh, it looks so good. <laughs> and, but and, I mean, 
that's for a certain kind of person. I, 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 I could. I, I think I'm, I'm colored by something I was watching on Turner Classic Movies, Diana. Mm-hmm. But I was watching um, The Ascendance of Humphrey Bogart. Mm. And it sort of reminded me of watching Denzel during this portion of 302010, where it's like he's kind of given ch- chances and chances, and then he has to start playing against type to get attention again. And mm. he, a lot of his uh, not as quiet manner, like intimidating mannerisms, but like captivating mannerisms reminded me of a lot of things I was watching this Humphrey Bogart documentary. And that they're both... Mm. Warner Brothers players here. Anyway, I, I could be totally completely out of line. Just it, it happened at the same time. Like just like the idea. Yeah, that's you know Bogart is someone who's like he had kind of like his his lane and he tended to stick to it, mm-hmm. kind of like Denzel does. And then when he goes outside of it in like Treasure of the Sierra Madre or Cane Mutiny, you're like, fuck. Yeah. It's like oh right no, there's a reason this guy's a movie star and he's a real actor. But your familiarity there is kind of again like used against you like you're used to seeing him one way and to see him as like a a murderous paranoid psychopath all of a sudden you're like oh shit you're scary again yeah just just when i thought i was used to you you got scary i still think training day is an interesting choice and something he i'm I'm glad he did because Mm -hmm. like it got me to pay attention again because you know what somebody if you really were to ask me my least favorite types of movies i would tell you tony scott movie (laughs) Mm. so i skipped mm. a lot of denzel stuff really? yeah except for like rainy days and shit where i was stealing the right dvd from blockbuster yeah huh. not a big fan of tony scott it's hit or miss you know that pelham 123 remake kind of sucked and the uh unstoppable was damn good so yeah, yeah, yeah. you never know with him i know but didn't, I, he, like, didn't he do man on fire he did, too? He did man on fire yeah. as well i love that which i did yep. uh, training day I, I i heartily recommend for real that uh, a million percent really held up too that was my my big fear was was it going to be a recommendation like with an asterisk like, well, this was really good, but it's not for everybody. And it's like watching it like, no, that was really yeah, this, good. This period. is not yeah. this is not even like a thinky movie. It is a boilerplate like crime thriller. It's dope. Anybody yeah. can enjoy it at any age. It's great. It doesn't even have anything to say really about race. It's not, not complicated. Really. No, no. And it's more about corruption. It is a studio film. That's kind of dope. Watch it. 2001 TV pop idol debuts in the UK. Is yep. that before or after American? That's way before That's American before Idol. That's before American Idol. This okay. is what's coming for us. All of a sudden, these freaking singing competitions are going to take over everything. <laughs> oh, bless me. And the Emmys are postponed yet again due to the war in Afghanistan. Yeah, uh, so that's pretty much the news is uh, we're going to war with Afghanistan, which we knew was happening pretty much on 9-12. Yeah, they were not going to hand over Osama bin Laden, so we're going to bomb the living crap out of them. Yes, the naughty people live there. Mm. I declare war on these civilians. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because the... that's gone well for everyone in history ever. Mm-hmm. And on the <laughs> second come together a night for John Lennon's words and music is less laughed at than a Gal Gadot social media um, exposure <laughs> <laughs> yeah. campaign. This was supposed to be about gun violence and is retrofitted in 9-11. And... Well, yeah, it's in New York. Sure. Do. Right. Yeah, but... Uh, Performers include Dave Matthews, Stone Temple Pilots, Lannis Morissette, Moby, Natalie Merchant, Cindy Lauper, and Sean Lennon, which you could expect Sean Lennon. But he also sings Julia, which is a song his dad wrote about his grandma, and it, it kind of got me yeah. right here. Aww. I just I like this being about gun because like the last time I saw Paul McCartney move me was it was like two years ago and he was at a march against gun violence in New York. He's like he and he never mentions John Lennon. He just says a gun killed me best friend. Like <laughs> it's like. Yeah, like 40 years after the fact. Uh, and this, I talked about it last week. So I didn't realize it was like right around the, the uh, 
right around the lane for us. Uh, SNL, your host, Sean William Scott, and musical guest, Sum 41, leaving with a fat lip. Yeah, this is the episode I was talking about where like everyone was kind of curious, how do you keep making jokes in the face of 9-11? And I do think, if you haven't seen it, Will Ferrell shows up to work on Casual Friday in an American flag thong and a USA shirt that shows off his midriff. Yeah. <laughs> to show off his patriotism, like, what a great place to find humor during this time where it's difficult to laugh, our own mm-hmm. overcompensation for patriotism. And, and it inadvertently makes one of the lewdest sketches in, like, 20 years as they, like, try and avoid showing his butt. His pants fall off. During, at, one during... point, at one point, he is sitting at the conference room table and then props his feet up on the table <laughs> like he's getting a pap smear. Like... <laughs> I, I know because I watched the sketch because I really wanted to pull it for this episode. Yeah, it's all but visual. It's so visual it's that it, visual. yeah, it's really hard to. Uh, it was really hard to find something to pull. But yeah, I mean, it's indelible. It's it's uh, it's the sketch that people remember from this time period, and and you know, rightly so. And yeah. this thing, I could oh, be boy. wrong, might be the most interesting thing nine eleven gave us. I think. Yeah. This next. The so yeah, we're talking and fast. about. But it happened seemingly so fast, even though this I is like know. a film play, but it's like it's two and a half weeks right. after 9-11. And so this is the third season premiere of The West Wing. It is a bottle episode. Uh I think you could probably it's, it's, call it. I mean, not strictly they're not strictly. It is. In it's one also room, it's also it's also they're locked down. It's also non canonical. It's why I always say right. West Wing should have really done taken advantage of more Halloween and like alien episodes. <laughs> this this is not loved it. There's continuity they're not addressing from the previous season. Absolutely, like that that is very important to people in the season premiere. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's uh, but it's a great. I think as nuanced and as measured as Aaron's working can be, mm. he, he he does his best here, and I think it's pretty good um, discussion of what is extremism, what is terrorism. Why do they hate us? Um, and it's it's Josh and Toby and then other Eventually. characters, all the characters kind of filter in and out of this room where they're giving a tour to high school kids of the uh, of the uh, West Wing. And then it gets locked down because of a threat. And so they are all just kind of hanging out, chit-chatting, talking about terrorism. And there's some pretty good speechifying going on in here. So I pulled a little bit. It's a little bit long, but I think it's worth it. So why is everybody trying to kill us? Not everybody. It seems like everybody. It's just the Arabs. Saying the Arabs is too general. It's Islamics. It's not Arabs. It's not Islamics. They're juniors and seniors? Yes. You're juniors and seniors. In honor of the SATs you're about to take, answer the following question. Islamic extremist is to Islamic as blank is Christianity. Christian fundamentalist? No. Jehovah's Witnesses? No. Guys, the Christian right may not be your cup of tea, but they're not blowing stuff up. Islamic extremist is to Islamic as blank is to Christianity. That's what we're talking about. The Ku Klux Klan. And even though 20 years later, there's a whole lot more answers for that <laughs> that variable. Yeah, I still, I still think it's a really powerful episode. It's really it's a really good watch. And, and, and a, a rational... A lot of irrational stuff was done and said, even in non-news programming. And I do mm-hmm. think this is this mm. it, this is not that. I, I'm, I, again, I'm only I'm not saying Isaac and Ishmael. That's where the that's where the Bible time stone wise branches off from Christianity to Islam, right? 
Mm. Uh, well, Judaism first. Judaism but first. yeah, Christianity comes out you of Judaism. You follow one character, also... you get to Judaism and Islam. You yeah. follow the other, you get to. Yeah. They're Cain and, Ab- Cain and Abel's kids? What I forget. Yeah. No, we're all shaking our heads. Scott, Ab- I can Abraham's. tell you so much Abraham. more about the Marvel Time Stone continuity. But yeah, I think one, one of the least embarrassing things uh, to come directly out of 9 11. To come this soon. this soon. I mean, yeah. plenty of people said, like, oh, this is speechifying. Oh, this is, you know, it's just liberal propaganda. We should be blowing stuff up. And it's like, this is about as measured this mm-hmm. close to 9 11. Even years from now, there is a lot of things right. that are not this measured. It, it, it came saying... out of here condemning the Klan. Would you like to speak positively about the Klan in this episode? Shut mm. up, commentator. But it, it does a good job, too, though, of bringing in different characters who mm. do have nuanced ideas about what is going on. And, you know, some of the characters are more hawkish about you know, what should be done in the face of terrorism. And there, there are others who are less hawkish. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, it's a, it's overall a really good episode. And it's very interesting too. When you go back and you binge watch the West Wing, like I've done several times in the past 20 years, when you hit this episode, you're like, oh, 9-11. <laughs> this is where the <laughs> right. happened. Because I, yeah. it, it is so out of the continuity. And, and the, sh- the, the show, show doesn't really mention 9-11 again. Right. Not yeah. directly. Exactly. And it doesn't mention it very well here. No, it's not specified mm-hmm. why they're in a terrorist lockdown or why they're suddenly talking about Islamic terrorism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like it. I thought it was really mo- I was Again, I was reminded by how fun the West Wing was with that recent COVID charity thing that I um, – on HBO Max. What was that? Mm. Uh, watch oh, the West right. Wing. And <laughs> shows I wouldn't recommend even for a second. Is that why I'm playing the theme song? Come on, girl. Is this, is, should people know this? Yeah, this is, so this is the theme song to Reba. Reba! The situation comedy starring Reba McIntyre uh, went on for six seasons. Wow. Yeah. People love this show, though. I mean, this show has a yeah. huge following for sure. And uh, mainly, though, so of course, this is one of her most famous songs, I'm a Survivor, uh, all about how she is surviving things. It also has given birth to one of my most recent favorite TikTok meme trends of people doing a montage of like chores around this their house to <laughs> this theme song <laughs> and like doing the absolute least. It's one of my favorite TikTok memes. But yeah, <laughs> I love Reba. She's just a, a ray of sunshine. And I know a lot of people really love this show, obviously, because it was on for so long. And I think it's probably a comfort watch for a lot of people. Uh, I imagine it was a big comfort for people during this time period in 2001, mm. honestly. I mean, to have one of your our more stalwart, you know, rays of sunshine on your television is probably a pretty good thing. And also, too, I mean, she was fantastic in Barb and Star. So there you go. That movie's yeah, great. I, I love Reba, but this was a pretty standard studio yeah, audience kind of sitcom. Sure. Hmm. I know it's one of those, like, anytime, like, I happen to hit it because it's on the WB. WB. Yeah, I think so. And then it moved to CW and that happened. And it was like, if I'm flipping the channels and I see it, like, watch for about two minutes, get to the next joke and go, eh. And it's like, it's fine. I don't know if I've ever laughed at seeing it, though. Nah. But it's fine. I just, I love Reba in general. I like her music and I like her as a person. But Sure. It's not a show for laughing. It's a show for heartwarming. 
So how do you describe the next show? Uh, uh, starring uh, son of <laughs> brother of John Belushi and star of Box Office Poison, Courtney Thorne Smith. We <laughs> have, according to Jim, which I I hate. I I don't want to hate Jim Belushi so much. I don't want to hate anybody. And I hear he's on his like social media redemption track with his weed farms and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jim Belushi was like the quintessential like entitled Republican asshole guy for me for so long, and then falling ass backwards, failing ass backwards into an eight season network TV show, mm-hmm. Ugh. <laughs> one of the richest people in television for a show I've never met a single human being who has ever admitted to watching, according to Jim. Nope. So I don't know anyone who watched it. I'm I, maybe my dad. I have no idea. I, I, I don't know. Not my yeah. parents. Not my uncles. Never... Not my friends. No one. No none of my southern friends. None of my Republican. Who fucking watched this show for eight? You eight know seasons? who watched it? The entire city of Chicago. The Chicago. Sure. Oh, sweet home Chicago. I have never seen a frame of it, but I, I like. I'm sorry. Explain to me why there's so much hate for him besides the fact that he's like he, his, bro- funny his brother. brother his brother. His not... brother was so famous. Right. He instantly filled his shoes, including in the Blues Brothers, including right. on SNL. He like instantly took the jobs of his brother, despite not having any of the, I'll just, yeah, talent of his brother. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's like foisted on us as like a, on a movie star for films that failed and that didn't work. And he just kept failing in a new vehicle <laughs> and none yeah. of those worked. I, I think people just feel like he's, he's such a try hard yeah, and it it's like, he actually does have quite a bit of talent. And if he were completely separated from his brother and were just some other guy, mm-hmm. we probably wouldn't feel the same way. Maybe. I Which agree. really not fair. I like Bill I Murray's agree. brothers. I like Bill Murray's brothers. That's true. Bill Murray's brothers are great, but I, they do different things. They do. And Bill Murray's alive. <laughs> yeah. It's true. That helps. So, this, you know, <laughs> I mean, I see people like Jim Belushi who, like, to, to my knowledge, hasn't been, like, a publicly bad guy or a creep or whatever. And when I see a bunch of hate pointed to that type of person's direction i'm always you're right it's a good idea to question you're, it. Co- you're correct because i thought yeah. he was i thought he was like tim allen-esque and like didn't he no, say the, the, so. didn't he say being assertive in hollywood was like being a jew in the holocaust like no that was tim allen yeah, uh yeah. jim belushi and somebody informed me jim belushi is out there tweeting weird mystical shit like what anime should i watch because he's starting a marijuana farm like yeah. oh i couldn't be i couldn't be more wrong about this person so maybe i, I mean, am i quickly looked at his wikipedia he endorsed Barack Obama. I mean, I don't know. Like, eh, he's not probably not the super leftiest of lefties. I still think he's the poster boy for white privilege. I, I'm not going to back down from that very hard. But dude, if, if, so are a ton of people that you love. So yeah, that I love. If David, if David Lynch <laughs> yeah. wanted to bring him in for Twin Peaks: The Return, there has to be a reason, Did and he really? was really good on it. All right. Okay, well, I don't want to hear another word against this man then. If I would like Stephen to point out, Lynch is like, okay with him. I'd like to point out Sarah's not so much celebrating being right as me being wrong right now. <laughs> that, that, is, that, 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 that was her goal, just to get on the stand. Your honor. <laughs> you're, you're, this, this guy is an asshole. Fine, your turn to do the talking because I don't like this show even a little. Scrubs debuts um, yeah. this week. This is such a big show for a lot of people, including me, for a really long time. In fact, I think Antisa, when we first met, I was probably still buying Scrubs box sets on Tuesdays when they came out. I worked <laughs> I worked on a script with your friends, and we shot it. I'm like, this is really funny. And uh, uh, I don't get some of this, but it's really funny. And it's just like someone had to tell me later, like, yeah, they stole it all from Scrubs. I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> I did. I don't want to take my name off that. 
Yeah. <laughs> now, Scrubs is one of those shows where it's like, oh, this sounds like just another sitcom, whatever, and then end up watching it. And I'm like, well, I misjudged you and I'm sorry. Where it's like, okay, it's the writing can be real tight and it has an incredibly deep bench of really funny people. I, did, yeah. You mentioned it the previous week that the shows where the lead actor is the worst part about the show. Like, because yes. everyone else. Thousand percent. Yeah. But I mean, it is, it's very, very tight. Too tight. I feel like sometimes like it is a little Gilmore girls esque, which, you know, I love my Gilmore girls, but as far as like so fast, like the joke, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a live action family guy with the cutaways sometimes at that, that cam. at this point in 2021 greats, but in 2001, it was wild, very fun to watch and very cool. And not, not like anything I had ever seen before. And, you know, so much great, comedic talent both older people who have been around for a really long time and then new faces like zach braff and donald Faison, who i love so much and they mm, became best friends so cool on this. the show and they're still best friends forever and i love they do that. a podcast about their own show I and think. their yeah. own friendship it's so cute so i'm really into that i think also zach braff is one of those people who gets a bad rap for no reason um he's made some really interesting funny stuff that people don't like because he had the audacity to use Kickstarter the way it was supposed to be used, and, and he, also, he also made Garden State, which is yeah, trite and obnoxious, and <laughs> a movie that people liked when it came out because it was very different. I think is being viewed in a very poor light. It's true, yeah. it's true. Yeah. but he's... well, I mean, it's its weakness is similar to Scrubs's weakness, which it can get really mawkish. It's like my one complaint about Scrubs is when it gets serious, it's schmaltzy. Yes, yes, a hundred percent agree with you on that but it also like it also gives really good real emotional moments too and you can't it's almost like you can't have one without the other with this and i mean a big part of that is bill lawrence who created scrubs um he co-created spin city before scrubs he also created clone high cougar town which i also will always <laughs> champion champion cougar town uh mm -hmm. abed and i have that in common and ted lasso yep so Bill Lawrence really hits it out of the park. Yeah, I, th I think I, I heard him on a podcast a while ago. It was like the best story I've ever heard that he used to. He was hanging out at the Y a lot because he was unemployed and he was playing basketball with George Clooney a lot, who was also unemployed and unknown. He's coming up on the show, too, by the way. And like they both got gigs around the same time, but they were both bummed about him because like. Bill Lawrence is like, man, I got hired to write on this show, but it's it's, it's the most generic. It's called Friends. What kind of generic ass title is that? The show's gonna fail. Ugh. And Clooney was like, I know, I just auditioned for a show called ER. I used to be on a show called ER. Who cares? It failed. I'm what like, a story. That is amazing. Yeah, I mean, I just looked at Bill Lawrence's credits and he also wrote for Boy Meets World and The Nanny. So Damn. And I, Man's I, got wow. bona fides. I just wanna sure. I, I I this doesn't happen a lot, so it's not like there'll be a laser time episode about it, but on the eve of or the finale of Brooklyn Nine Nine. It's one of that that rare situation of a show getting this far with a network, and they say, "Nah, fuck it." So it was a Disney ABC owned show that aired on NBC for like seven years, and then they mm -hmm. took it back. I think NBC canceled it, and they're like, "Yeah, we got we still make we money on this show, and we like we, it." Yes, <laughs> we got characters, we got costumes, we can keep making the medical show. We still have this abandoned, creepy hospital that we shoot every episode in. That, that was yeah. I feel like I saw a DVD special feature about that. It's so awful. Yeah. They're, they're think, shooting in a silent hospital. <laughs> I think Children's Hospital also got yeah, it's gross. shot in that same one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, it also introduced me to one of my huge high school crushes, which is John C. McGinley. Yeah. <laughs> I just had such a crush on him. Dumb, as Dr. dumb, bullicum. I just <laughs> love a mean yeller. And so I was looking in the first episode to find a, one of the patented Dr. Cox speeches. So I found a, a little clip if we want to play it. I got it. It's just that this isn't really what I expect. Most of my patients are uh, older and sort of checked out mental. Pumpkin. That's modern medicine. Advances that keep people alive who should have died a long time ago, back when they lost what made them people. Now your job is to stay sane enough so that when someone does come in that you actually can help, you're not so brain dead that you can't function for the love of God. What? Do you think we should be talking about it? Her? She's dead. All right. All right. That got me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's a show that just, I don't know why, it just it seemed like it, it was it turned me off of just like, this looks like too silly a comedy or too mm-hmm. broad or something and then watching like yeah I'm, I'm an idiot everyone's doing great here <laughs> it just it really runs the gamut at times yeah it is too silly and it is too broad and at times it is extremely clever and also extremely poignant i mean don't even get me started on the brenda brendan fraser of it all <laughs> he's got a storyline that will break your heart into a bajillion pieces um so yeah it's I don't know. Yeah. I love Scrubs. I rewatched the first couple seasons uh, a couple months ago uh, as like a pandemic comfort rewatch. And, you know, it's great. Yep. All right. So moving out of television into the video games of 2001, I cannot believe how great the games were last week compared to now. We have NASCAR Thunder 2002. So I'll let Sarah speak to that. Yeah, it's um, driving. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> to the Cars left. and wheels and like steer- steering wheels. And the stuff. multi-platform release of Scooby-Doo and the Cyber Chase. Um, and mm. <laughs> as well as Lego Island 2, which is only fascinating before Lego became like the dominant license game factory. Lego Pirates, mm. Lego Marvel, Lego Lord of the Rings. They had their own weird little franchises. Max Storm and Lego Island. We'll talk more about that video game apocalypse, guys, on uh, patreon.com slash laser time as 302010 goes to the games in a deeper, drunkier way. Um, but let's close out of 2001 with some Ja Rule. Um, unless 50 Cent stops us. I know he likes trolling him, but we're going to go out with living it up. Stay right there, people. I got to talk about another discovery that blew my mind right after this. And they say I'm lucky. You think I got time to blow all this dough and do all these shows? On flight in the llama charge and white world for oh, another episode. To everybody that be living it up, we say. What? and all the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner where we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of october 1st through 7th we got two anniversaries and they both are classics that come with caveats let's start with 70 years ago this week saw the release of an american in paris starring gene kelly leslie caron oscar levant directed by vincente minnelli uh caveat on this one even though all the songs are by the gershwin brothers there's a couple that don't need to be there like, mostly the movie's just great, but then there's, like, there's this the French guy does the number of I'll Build a Stairway to Paradise that's like, fast forward, it's okay, you can you can fast forward. I mean, the big selling point is it's got a giant ballet at the end, 
thank God it's at the end. If it were in the middle, like it'd be awful. But the ballet at the end is just phenomenal. So if you want to just pull it up on YouTube and just watch that, because it goes on, it's real long, but it is great. I mean, it's like Gene Kelly just doing everything at its best. So yeah, American in Paris. It's a, a recommend just in general, like especially if you like La La Land, that's a, a big inspiration for it. So the second one, 60 years old this week is Breakfast at Tiffany's. And I think you already know what the caveat on that one is. <laughs> Starring Audrey Hepburn, George Pappard, Patricia Neal, Buddy Ebsen, but Mickey Rooney as an incredibly offensive Asian stereotype. And I, oh, it kills me because I love this movie. Everyone loves this movie. Every girl has this poster in their fucking dorm room. But I will pay so much money to a special effects guy who could pull out the the offensive stereotype and put in like a respectable Japanese actor into that part. Like, how much money do you want to get Ken Watanabe and put him in there as like just a neighbor instead of this painful broad stereotype? Oh, it's, oh, yeah. So alert on that one. Besides that, it's just such a great romantic comedy. Audrey Hepburn is just at her most charming. It's directed by Blake Edwards. It's from a Truman Capote short story. It's, you know, romantic and fun and funny and just, you know, generally lovable. She's almost a Manic Pixie Dream Girl, like the beginning of Manic Pixie Dream Girls, but not. Like, she has a lot more, a lot more to her than that. And yeah, Breakfast at Tiffany's a wonderful movie, but goddamn. Come on, 1961. I feel like we should have known better, Blake Edwards, but I guess we didn't. But so, yeah, American in Paris, Breakfast at Tiffany's, very classic American movies right there. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. I love you this big. Eyes have never seen this big. Ever dream this big? And I'll spend the rest of my life explaining what words cannot describe, but I'll try. Okay, this is definitely the inspiration for Bo Burnham's character on Parks and Rec. Coming in with I Love You This Big by. American Idol winner Scott McCreary, clear as day. Like Scotty McDreary. Off his big album, clear, clear as day. day. That's something like number seven on the charts. And Scotty McCreary's voice is fantastic. I mean, he looks 10 he's, years he's old great, in his music. But video. he looks like a 10 year old Howie Doody doll. And <laughs> the song is really silly. Yeah, it is. If someone made a song out of Avengers Endgame, I Love You 3000, it's very stupid. <laughs> but it's bringing us in a. T- 2011, 10 years after the debut Pop Idol, mm-hmm. an American Idol winner was on the charts. Uh, we also have new releases from The Less You Know, The Better by DJ Shadow, Radio Surgery by Newfound Glory, Megalomania by Aqua, Sinners Never Sleep by You, Me at Six, Siberia by Lights, self-titled by Mayday Parade, and self-titled by Odd Soul, Moves Like Jagger by Maroon 5 is still number one. What a bunch of Maroons. Sorry, I'm going to pause and giggle at my bad dad joke there. I meant to just keep going. 2011 news, uh, we have the Nobel Peace Prize given out. And surprisingly, this show didn't exist yet, so we didn't get it. Ellen Johnson uh, Sirleaf and Lama... Go- oh, why do you do this to me, Diana? Gabui? Gabui? There's, sure. It's a G and a B together uh, of Liberia and Tawakul Karman of Yemen uh, for advocating for wi- wi- women? Ladies. Broads. Yeah. Uh, Little women. Little women. I didn't know this was only... Gene Simmons and Shin Tweed Mary... Oh, they'd been together for almost 30 years already. 
So in a step back for women. Yeah. <laughs> you gain some ground, step you lose forward, some ground. One step back, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, big steps, then a tiny step backwards. Uh, Gene Simmons might be one of the most grotesque men in pop culture, and I really, really don't like him at all. Truly. And, Can't wait for him to announce his presidential run. <laughs> and when all he's got to do is hate the people you hate. No plan, though. Yeah. No plan. Oh, wait, I think I think he's born in Israel, so I think we're safe. Oh, Ooh. thank goodness. Yeah. Um, movies in 2011, October 1st to the 7th. Uh, Perfect Sense with Ian McGregor and uh, Ava Green. Yeah, okay, so just like 1991, we have like a whole bunch of movies to get through, and they're all over the damn place. Mm. Perfect Sense didn't really release in the U.S. It's a Scottish movie, but it is kind of topical because it's about a pandemic. Oh, goodness. But in this pandemic, it's taking away people's senses one at a time. Mm. And Eva Green is researching to stop it, and Ewan McGregor is like the guy that she's falling for while they're researching. is like, there's like a weird symptom that everyone has, and then like, all of a sudden their sense of taste goes away and like everyone has it. And then like suddenly everyone's filled with rage and then all their hearing goes everyone. And it's like, it gets, it's, I mean, it's really interesting. <laughs> Two idea. Out of three, gotcha. Yeah. It gets a little like weird and preachy where it's like, this is meaningful. And they're like telling you what it means about the meaningfulness of like human interaction and whatever. But it's like, it's a neat idea. All the reviews were sort of like, it's a neat idea, but it like thinks it's, saying more than maybe it is or like it hits you over the head with what it's trying to say mm. but it's like oh this is an interesting idea but i couldn't get to it because there's so fucking much i would just wager to bet the most angry people in america right now are also lacking their sense of taste or <laughs> um okay yeah all right so that's perfect sense uh, uh dirty girl is out this week starring Di- dwight yoakam mary steenberg and william h macy Mila jovovich uh jeremy dozier and juno temple dirty um, girl yeah, wow, this would also, like, I thought it was going to fit in with our theme of coming-of-age movies, mm-hmm. and then um, it got chat on by a lot of critics, but Juno Temple and her gay best friend, like, run away. Yeah. Some of the critics were like, this is like a bad episode of Glee, and I'm like, what? Well, sounds a lot better than that, actually. <laughs> like, yes, more interesting. Way better than that. So, I, it's free on Tubi. Mm-hmm. Nice. I watched I watched the first half of it. Actually, I just ran out of time and didn't finish, finish it, but I 100% have plans to finish it because I think it's cute as can be. I mean, I, yeah. I really, really liked it. I think all the performances are so fun by all wonderful people, including this Jeremy Dozier, who I had never seen before. Um, but yeah, Juno, Temp- Juno Temple, who is now on Ted Lasso, Lasso. Um, plays this, you know, kind of troublemaker, fast girl in high school who is getting in trouble a lot and uh, kind of has a troubled home life a little bit. His, her mother is played by Mia Jovovich, who you know, is kind of trying her best, but she goes off to find her, her dad. Her mother is Mila Jovovich? Yeah. Holy shit. The- I know. And so Juno goes off to find her dad with her new friend, Jeremy played by Jeremy Dozier, who is a gay guy who just is being rejected by his family and wants to get away as well. And so they go on this like kind of wacky field trip or road trip across country. And I find found it to be really cute, really funny, very charming, not toothless in a way, you know, like it still had some bite to it for sure. Um, And I think that it does a really good job of a lot of the characters are flawed, but 
trying their best with the exception of Dwight Yoakam's character, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know what? Perfect for Dwight Yoakam. I love ever since I really Blade, like seeing him. I love him as a piece of shit. I love Yeah. Him. Oh, he does it real well in this movie. So yeah, I'm about two thirds the way through, I think. And I definitely plan on fishing because I found it to be really sweet. Okay. And uh, we also have, look at this cast for a movie I've never heard of 10 years Chris Pratt, Oscar Isaac, Mario's Chris Pratt, uh, Oscar Isaac, Max Mangella, uh, Justin Long, Jenna Dewan, and Channing Tatum in a high school reunion movie. Yeah, this, this might count as a coming of age movie if you're really old. Mm, <laughs> I guess. I mean, it kind of sounds like it are. is yeah. because, yeah, it's all these folks coming back for their 10 year reunion and seeing how they've changed, how their friends have changed. Uh, you know, a guy who used to bully the nerds tries to like make amends and does a bad job of it. And people are like meeting up with their old crushes and their feelings are still there. And again, I apologize. I could not get to it. Another one that kind of like, it barely got a release, but it's like, it's got a ridiculously deep cast. Mm -hmm. And all the reviews were like people saying like, well, I was walking into this with low expectations and they were uh, overmet. This is actually pretty good. Oh, I'm like, Oh, Again, now I feel like Dick. I didn't get to it. It's not your uh, fault, die. We didn't choose the schedule. Also, yeah, the like schedule Rosario just... Dawson, Aubrey Plaza, Kate Mara. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Wow. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, it's one of these where we've got a week this busy. Please put in the comments or, you know, at 302010 podcast. True. You know, let us know. Like, do you want to go to bat for 10 years? Sure. You know, once, <laughs> once we get out of the busy schedule, like, I like to go back and check some of these out. Especially ones I've never heard of. Following a movie, following a movie about ten year reunions to make you feel old, to make me feel old, we have Maddie Black, Ashlyn Yinny, and Lawrence R. Harvey in full <laughs> Human Centipede two full sequence. Um, oh, it's the first time like I did this already. I'm not doing this again. I, mm. I felt like a parent, like not again. I like no. I, I I followed you once into the most tasteless semi-irredeemable movie of all time and I'm not going to do it again. No. Well, you were wrong. That wasn't even close to as irredeemable as things could get because Human Centipede 2 full sequence is about a guy who saw Human Centipede 1 Mm -hmm. and decides to recreate it horribly and disgustingly and it intentionally gets as horrific as you could possibly get in a movie. Because we we did a laser time about banned movies uh, and just like reminding people, especially conservatives, America never really has banned a movie. You have commercial enterprises that ban movies. Movie theaters might ban a movie, but then you can get it on DVD. This movie seemed to, <laughs> other than a Serbian film, got banned throughout the world. Like, just no, in the way that the first and third did not. Just no, yeah. you do not, this movie is not being shown in our country in any capacity. Yeah. And, well, I mean,. It's not just that he's making a human centipede, which, you know, we know what that is, I hope, or not. Maybe you're lucky and you don't. (laughs) But that because he is like a regular dude who works at a parking garage, he's doing it non-surgically. So there's like staple guns involved and uh, horrible things being done with sandpaper and barbed wire and uh, a dead baby and, oh, yeah, forced laxatives and... It really, it's like, oh, so it's, again, like a Serbian film. It's like, so this is an endurance test that you're making to see if the audience can put up with it. And I don't need to prove myself to you. This is somebody who's trying to make an endurance run out of something I wrote in an internet forum in 1999 to make me feel bad about myself. Making an entire movie out of it. No, thank you. Yep. 
a movie I remember getting pretty good reviews, but I couldn't find it. Uh, Emilio Estevez, I think also directing, right? Yeah. Shecky Caro, James Nesbitt, Yurik von Wagen, um, Deborah Kara Unger, and Martin, his dad, Martin Sheen, directing his dad, Martin Sheen, in The Wave. Yeah, this was, uh, I saw this a couple of years ago, and I, I didn't have time to go back and watch it again. Yeah, uh, Emilio's an okay director. He's really hit or miss, though. And Bobby and Minnowork, was, not bad. Yeah, this this is a hit directing wise because it's about Martin Sheen's son dies while he's on this uh, pilgrimage to um, was it Compostela monastery or church whatever in Spain and so he decides to complete it for him and as he meets people along the way on this pilgrimage you know like he gets to meet these different eccentric people and their problems and they talk about stuff and then like oh no someone stole his backpack and then you get it back and you know just it's Martin Sheen on a really pretty hike. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much the whole movie. I can't complain about that. It's yeah, the way is actually it's a very laid back kind of movie. If you just want to watch a just a laid back movie and really pretty scenery, people you know sorting out the problems, but doesn't get too super heavy. Yeah, the way is all right. Okay, and um, into the bigger movies of the week, studio films of the week. Most people might have seen uh, Jeffrey Wright, Marissa Tomei, Paul Giamatti, Evan Richard Wood, Philip Seymour Hoffman. George Clooney and Ryan Gosling in The Ides of March. I've worked on more campaigns than most people have by the time they're 40. This is the one. So how are we doing? Can't lose. You got something the other guys don't have, but you're working for the wrong man. I want you to work for us. I don't trust you anymore. I made a mistake. There's only one thing I value, and that's loyalty. Without it, you're nothing. Do you have any idea what this could do to me? Of course I do. That's why I'm giving you a choice here. I might find something big. Get out now. Why you still can everywhere October yeah. 7th. I I have not seen this and I kind of make it a point to make Ooh. it to see all George Clooney directed movies cuz I think he has a great track record. He and does and this is well directed. It's like a 10 million dollar movie with an insane cast. Um Yeah. Oof. Oh yeah, the cast everyone is is doing good. It's very well directed. I really like his directing style, but it's a bit slow. Mm-hmm. It feels a bit lower stakes than maybe it should. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of tying everything together. It kind of felt like an episode from the last season of the West Wing mm-hmm. when they're in campaign mode. But okay, so let me get to what blows me away about this. So Ryan Gosling plays a, a campaign guy working for George Clooney, who's running for president. He's a true believer, and then he finds out, like, oh no, George Clooney might have done a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And Evan Rachel Wood is there. Philip Seymour Hoffman is his boss. Uh, Paul Giamatti is the head of the opposition campaign. And uh, first of all, seeing Phil Cy Hoffman and Giamatti together. Mm. Ooh, yeah. Love. Ooh, but. Can you imagine the screaming? Oh, my God. Oh, it would be amazing. Hoagie budget. Oh, my God. Ooh, mm. Yeah. But what blew me away was this, I got about halfway into the movie because the first half runs wicked slow. And I realized, oh, this is just the John Edwards story. <gasps> and then I looked it up. And this is based on a play from before that went down. And this was in production when all that stuff broke about former presidential candidate, John Edwards, having a baby with a campaign worker and then having one of his campaign workers try to cover it up and like say, oh, no, that baby was mine. So that is kind of spooky that like this is very close to something that actually happened about the same time, but does not seem to be based on it. But it is so close to the John Edwards story that I was just 
I, oh my god, the googling I did. I was looking up old <laughs> articles and shit. Like, come on, this is just the John Epps. No, nope, nope. It's funny because it's it's spooky about how close it is, but then it's also kind of like, I mean, politicians be fucking around. Mm-hmm. So you know, <laughs> it's and, like <laughs> and, and, only a matter of time until something like that happens. And, and busy people who tend to fuck those who work for them for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Because mm. who else are they meeting? Yeah, but. Yeah. Mm. I remember Sam and I went to go see this and I wanted to like it so much and I overall did, but I remember walking away from it with feeling something lacking and you really, I think, just hit the nail on the head. Like there's just something not there there, you know, a little bit of like, I don't know, something Mm. something is a little off. So I I thought I remember seeing bad reviews for it, but apparently I'm not entirely correct there. But I will say this is one of my least favorite posters of all time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's one of the worst things I've ever seen. It's, it's creepy. It's a stupid pose. It doesn't make any sense. Like, there's better ways to get Ryan Gosling and George Clooney's picture on the poster. Instead of Ryan Gosling holding up a folded in half Time magazine with George Clooney's face on it and hoping oh, they match up. Yeah. It's, it's jarring. It's ugly. It doesn't make any sense. And it looks like a dull movie. I hate it. Hate it. I, like yeah. it. I love a good poster. My house is filled with movie posters. I'm allowed to judge this. Yeah. I mean, they they really are going for a, a 70s political thriller feel. Mm-hmm. And it just like the tension is never quite there. All the ingredients are there. And it just never quite got exciting for me. Or uh, I don't know, like could maybe use one more twist or turn or yeah, it's just sort of eh. It's okay, I guess. Can't can't quite recommend it. It's like it's not bad. It's just like eh. we don't need to because the next movie recommends itself. <laughs> Indeed, it, it is splendid affair. Rick Hume, R- a surprise. <laughs> Reem of Faki, uh, James Reborn, Anthony Mackie, Kevin Durand, Angeline Lilly, Dakota Gio, and Hugh Jackman. It's it's number one this week. Real Steel. Human boxing is dead. It's a whole different game. Give me a man of that. Winner takes all. No! This is my last shot. He has a shadow function. I've never seen anything like it. Watch me. I'm ready to fight. Real steel. Ready PG. Unbelievable. I was. I. I. This looked. This is technically so stupid. Yes. But, but it's like, it doesn't care. It's 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 a wonderful, it's like an undiscovered 80s film hiding in 2011, even though it made a ton of money as I'm finding out. I just never, I remember some critics were kind to it, but not every critic. It wasn't a darling by any means, but no. it's the story of Hugh Jackman, a former boxer meeting up with his uh, estranged kid and basically having a little Rocky movie with what is the new sport in the far off year, 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 year of 2020, 2020, 2020, <laughs> 2020, where men now pilot robots instead of boxing in the, which I just love because I don't care about boxing one way or another. I think we will probably consider it at some point barbaric and ban the sport. However, right now it's being taken over by influencers. Everybody wants to see knocked out. So no hmm. one's saying anything. We mm-hmm. nobody is encouraging their kids to be boxers. You just have a bunch of stunt-brained idiots doing it right now with old retired boxers. This is where the sport is going, BattleBots. To its credit, I didn't even know that till I read about it. Like Steven Spielberg produced this, they took it. It's a Richard Matheson story who I love. Uh, I am Legend writer, Twilight Zone writer that had been in production hell for like twelve years or something like that. And Spielberg was just like, uh, 
A little advice, Jurassic Park. I didn't use a lot of CG. And whenever you want to have your actors bouncing off of fake characters, you need to build that character. Here's my buddy Stan Winston. He'll help you figure everything out. I didn't know this wasn't all CG. Because the yeah. because sure. the robots are that good, I had to go back and like rewind it. And I should say this leaves Netflix in a few days, but it is on Netflix right now. I think the sixth it leaves Netflix. Uh, but a, a righteous surprise on my part. Like I I remember reading this is if it's very formulaic, but takes it into the far flung future and makes for a different movie. Yeah, I I was also like, oh god, it's the Rock'em Sock'em robots movie. I don't want to watch this. And then seeing like, oh, wait, it's the same story as this, you know, one of the later season Twilight Zone ones with Lee Marvin. Yes. I was like, oh, right. And so I'm watching it and it is really formulaic. It doesn't take long for me to go, am I watching over the top again? Yeah. <laughs> I'm watching over the top again. You sons of bitches. Except the, the kid is building Sylvester Stallone's arm to be better. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then as it keeps moving, it's like, all right, I... I know where this is going. It is incredibly formulaic, but it's doing the form- kind of like Joyride, what I said earlier. It is doing the formula so well yeah. that you are having fun. So you kind of don't care that you have a really good idea of what's going to happen next. I was always floored whenever it steals directly from Rocky blatantly. Yes. And oh, yeah. it's like, I can't believe they did that and how little I care. This totally worked. Thank yeah, you. It ends good up being fun. Movie. Yeah, Dakota Koyo, the kid, occasionally annoying, but mostly pretty good. I think he's annoying because his ability to handle timing and dialogue. Kid's good. <laughs> he, yeah, he's wise he's... beyond his years. No kid talks like that, but he can handle the dialogue really well. Yeah, but occasionally he, he got a little, you know, kid actory. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Hugh Jackman's pretty fun. He's a, He's got... Uh, good chemistry with Evangeline Lilly, who doesn't need to be here. Nope. They're just cramming in a love interest. I By the that. way, Hugh Jackman's accent is among my, up there with Bob Hoskins and Tom Hardy for like, whatever impossible American you've created from this accent, like, th- there's no accent like this here if you look oh. too closely at it. Make sure you yeah. include Liam Neeson. Oh, yeah. Liam Neeson list. is definitely uh, on that the, list. The king of the what accent? Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Tom Hardy's still my favorite as a, I'm local San Franciscan with Potter, uh, Eddie Brack here with the Gazette. Like, who who the fuck? What country do you, are you supposed to be from? And Hugh Jackman's doing a bit of that while wearing a plate of hair. It is. It is. But but Hugh Jackman's just like so yeah. capable. I fucking love this movie. It, it like yeah. gives, gave me some Logan vibes for its like really effortless vision of the future, which is now our past. Yeah. And, and and him like hanging with a kid and trying to deal with like oh this fucking kid but okay but I'll be nice but uh, that's the thing I admired about it when he meets his kid he's like what do you want I'm <laughs> I'm gonna be a total piece of shit and from a different county altogether this could be Detroit who knows this is how he talks <laughs> yep yeah and it's pretty looking it is filmed mostly in and around Detroit it's and gorgeous it's really pretty it's and soundtrack is is mystifying. It's it's the year 2020, shot in the year 2011, and the soundtrack is Orbital, Prodigy, and Limp Biscuit. It is nothing about this movie should work. It doesn't make any sense at all. It is so silly, but like everyone is selling it so yeah. hard that it really helps. And yeah, the designs of the robots are really cool, and you know, yeah, the practical effects on them are really good. And going into the with the fighting that's digital is pretty freaking seamless like yeah for a movie that is exceptionally dumb it's like but they did a really good job it's great it feels like something it's just fun it it feels like something somebody hid in a time capsule 
uh, from the eighties <laughs> and then remade with modern CG. And I'm not going to say it was ignored. I'm like, Oh, this made like $300 million at the box office. It wasn't a failure. It, it just, yeah. I've never, I never hear anybody talk about it. So I'm sure there's young kids out there like this movie fucking rules. Who's Rocky. And they'd be right to say <laughs> so. It, it's, it's, it's great. See this yeah, movie was, before it leaves Netflix was, on October 6th. Yeah. It, it was a big surprise where it's like, I'm watching it and I'm, I never quite got to the part where I was rolling my eyes, but I was getting close, but yeah. it's still like, but I'm still having fun. It's like, it's, it's not stupid to the level of insulting my intelligence. It's yeah. just very silly. It, it, and that's it, okay. And they're all treating the silly. silliness very seriously. Yes. Got to get a new robot. And I was just. I got to get uh, out there and fight him. I got to fix up Noisy Boy. He's going gonna to fight the gladiator. That's a, you're doing a great, great Hugh Jackman in this movie. <laughs> I yeah, I'm an Australian pretending to be from New York in the '50s. Yeah, I thought this movie was excellent, and I was only remarking yeah, on that I'm, I'm looking at the cast. Yeah. Like, even the kid played young Thor in Thor. Everybody with more than four lines has played a Marvel character in this film because that's just where <laughs> we are now. I, yeah, I can't rec- this and Ricochet, man. Like, totally took me by surprise. Like, formulaic films yeah. that end up kind of going a cut above and are thoroughly mm-hmm. enjoyable, and I don't think get any kind of praise. In the modern zeitgeist, real steel, man. I I had a great time with it. I might yeah. buy it after this. Oh, I don't. I don't know if I go that far. I, mean, I, I love. I love a good sports. I love a good sports movie, but I hate sports. So this is like perfect for me. And uh, right mm-hmm. now we have like the whole esports intermediary. I'm like, that's this is boring as shit. Mm-hmm. Show me BattleBots, though. I'm down. But right now they're like glorified dustpans, and like the thing that spins the fastest wins normally. And like this, this is more interesting. <laughs> A yeah. future we put robots in to compete in blood sports. Up until yeah, until then, there's an uprising and, and the Matrix takes over, you don't have to feel bad about it morally. Yeah, and that there's like an underground. We get yeah. to see the gritty underground of like illegal robot boxing. That's <laughs> 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 really silly. That robot has a mohawk disqualified. Uh, I have no idea what the rules are for a robot. But yeah, this, this movie yeah. absolutely astounded me. I, I was coming in with no expectations, but like... Uh, yeah. I, I was... Utterly charmed by this film and surprised I haven't had heard more people tell me it's great because it is. Mm-hmm. It's, yep. uh, but yeah, Real Steel. It's bouncing to TV one last time for this episode. 2011, October 1st to the 7th. Are you ready? Mm. Are you ready? Not Are you either. ready for some football? <laughs> A Monday Night Pod. Uh, uh, sorry, ESPN is pulling Hank Williams Jr.'s Monday Night Football theme after he compared Obama to Hitler. And I know he did his research. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I know he knows a ton about Hitler and Obama and how they're exactly the same. Called him the enemy and said he'd run for Senate in 2012. Um, <laughs> it had been the theme since 1991, and I think they kind of reinstated mm. it semi-recently because it turns out the people watching football hated Obama the whole time. Um, hey, that's not true. <laughs> you don't watch but NFL. I have in the past. So yeah. have that I was, during the Super Bowl. a bummer because I watched a lot of Monday Night Football growing up with my dad, and I loved that theme. I always thought yeah. it was so much fun. It was like just a fun – that 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 opening. the reasons that Monday does not suck. Not just the I- song. That opening of him like on the field having a party is yes, unbelievably yeah, and nostalgic. And yeah. the cheerleaders. Oh man, I thought Are that was ready? like the funnest, coolest thing when I was a kid. He's pointing at me with a football in his hand. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then also uh, speaking of relics, you know, you know what, you know what grinds my gears? Andy Rooney not being on television. <laughs> well. I need him to tell me about all these dang cables. Is this 
<laughs> I, I have no comparison because I would watch this with my dad. Andy Rooney makes his last appearance on 60 Minutes after 33 years. And yep. I. And then he passes away like a month later. Right. Mm. He, he pulls a Charles Schultz, like, I'm not doing my passion. What, what use do I have on this planet? I have to go. Now. <laughs> I hate Andy Rooney kind of a lot, but I remember yeah. my, my dad would laugh at him, but it's like the same way I laugh at Bill Maher's rants now. Mm. Like, yeah, <laughs> yes, oh, good Bill. comparison. Yes, yeah. it, it, it feels exactly because Andy Rooney, like, why do I have to tape things? When did VCRs <laughs> become the boss of me? Like, I just, I think I remember my dad laughing, like, what a fucking old d- idiot! Like, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yes, it's very old man yells at cloud. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's okay. That's like my life's ambition as a I mean, job that I have to talk for two minutes once a week about random complaints I've run into. Yeah, I don't have to write on the internet anymore, so therefore I don't have to write the headline. Andy Rooney invented complaining on the internet, but his his, <laughs> his job was to complain for like five to eight minutes about mm. utter mundanity shit that doesn't matter. We all just accept. Why is my brake pedal different from my gas pedal? For, uh, like just <laughs> okay, dumb, dumb shit. A good reason for that. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, Andy Rooney came to us so that we could have Lewis Black, which Lewis Black <laughs> hey. I think is truly. I think I, last time I heard him on a podcast, like he has some sort of. I, I don't know if it's like a weekly show or a podcast that of himself that he does, where he just like people write in and tell him like I want you to rant about this, and he'll just do it. It's like, it's so weird. I, I didn't. He's open about it. He he has done that Daily Show segment back in black for. Mm-hmm at least half as long as Andy Rooney was on 60 Minutes. And he I didn't know until semi-recently, he never wrote a word of it. And that's not what a stand-up sounds like. Yeah, he, he doesn't write the, the the Daily Show segment. He just does his thing, points at the camera. You. Uh, and, uh, he, he gives it his cadence. But when you see a stand-up, it's a lot more subdued than that segment. But like, mm. I'd sort of hate Andy Rooney because like it just gave life to a bunch of YouTubers and internet bloggers who are like, I'm going to pretend taking away sour cream and cheddar chips is the worst thing since Hitler. Like, no, <laughs> only Andy Rooney did that at the as, as a breather at the end of an hour of the hardest hitting journalism that there was. Yeah. You can't all be Andy Rooney. <laughs> it's true. Not, not Thank ev- God. Yes. Not every, not every molehill is a mountain. That was this one old dude's job. And he he died and retired. And they didn't even replace him. No one does his shtick on 60 Minutes anymore. I'll stop talking about this. SNL, your host, Melissa McCarthy and Lady A. It shouldn't be a surprise, but I love SNL so much. And I love when people are the best possible fit for SNL. Mm. And every time Melissa McCarthy shows up, she introduces like three characters that if she were there every week would recur next week. Mm. I was reading about this episode actually, and I think at least one of the characters that she plays she, was she someone that she had developed on in the Groundlings. Right, before. she'll develop in the. She oh. did. She was on her cousin Jenny McCarthy show, mm-hmm. sketch show. She's fucking great at characters and sketch. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. shit on Melissa McCarthy on occasion because she's made some terrible movies. She's also made some of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Yep, except for the one she right. But I, I I love her on SNL. I. Never seen anybody so naturally slide into that role, especially when we get to that era of stunt casting where like Dave Chappelle will come on and he'll he will be in one sketch and never show up the rest of the night. 17 minute (laughs) monologue, but not in any sketches. Melissa McCarthy can do fucking everything on that show. Great utility player. I love it when she's on. I know Dave, Dave and I are champions of her at some point getting her own sketch show 
when all this movie stuff is over. Oh, God, this is so great. Uh, HBO documentary, George Harrison, Living in the Material World. Um, yeah, Scorsese yeah. doc. A Scorsese yeah. doc. I pulled it just because I had not heard of this before. And so oh. when I saw that it came up, I just wanted for other people to be made aware of it like I am. So now we can all watch and enjoy it. George Harrison, my favorite Beatle. And I want to know if anyone else watched it and let me know I if did. it's any good. Cause it, oh, yep. you did see it. Oh, oh, okay. Well, yeah, tell I, me I, all I watched it. it with my dad and um, it also helped me get him a Christmas present because it like, I think they put together, this is a two part documentary, right? So I mean, I'll see the second part. They put together an album of George Harrison's work that was sort of not definitive, but like a best of like Beatles plus George Harrison. Ooh. And it was amazing. And like, and no one had really, you know, John was the flamboyant guy who was in the public eye the entire time. And Paul was the pop guy who was, had the career that vastly outlived the Beatles. And George Harrison is a great pick to be your favorite Beatle. Cause he was the quiet guy who didn't fan the flames of conflict in the group, mm-hmm. sat back, did people favors, constantly nice, a consummate, nice person in, in, mm-hmm. in entertainment, in showbiz, something you do not see very often. We and have real, Monty Python movies because of George Harrison. Yeah. And, yep. he, and a real spiritual seeker, you know, someone who is really trying to figure out a way to live their best life right. and be a kind person on the pla- on this planet. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just... Didn't make him a great husband, though. Well, you know. Like, most of them weren't. Who, who took care? Yeah. Was it, was it, did he take care of Eric Clapton's life, wife or the other way around? No, other, way around. other way around. Other way around. Yeah. And they both wrote songs about it, though. So, yeah. so you have a pop song written about you. Uh, I think it was all worth it. Scorsese's documentaries are not surprisingly really freaking good and his music yeah. documentaries in particular. And he's done what two on Dylan, I think two on the two Rolling on the Stones. Stones and, and then the, this two parter on George Harrison. And this, I mean, he's, he's really good at, you know, finding the moments in like archival footage that makes his point, mm. whatever that might be. And putting those images together to give you the larger picture because he's such a, you know, visual kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, people tend to sleep on Scorsese's documentary work, and it's, it's it, really, it was, and it it's was, always just something he's interested in. He's just it like was the revelation. I'm really interested in this writer. I'm gonna make a movie about her. That's the right. best way to make a documentary. You want your yeah. filmmaker to just want to do something they just want to know about. The, I mean, yeah. the reason yeah. Goodfellas is as fast as it is is because it was supposed to be a documentary. He's great at making documentaries. It was supposed to be a documentary about the Henry Hill and the mafia, and that's why. That movie has like 7,000 different scenes as if he was combing through archive footage. He had to make <laughs> his own and jump in and out of time. That's why Goodfellas rules um, and needs a narrator. But this this movie is great. And, and George, George Harrison deserves a lot more credit because if you grew up when I did, you thought he sang a song called I Got My Mind Set on You and then repeated that 550,000 times. And mm. that was the only thing he did outside the Beatles. Very, very not true. Uh, I also love that song. <laughs> it's a very good yeah. song. Um, yeah. This too shall pass. It's a freaking great album. This too shall yeah. pass. Concert for Bangladesh. Like the, the, the guy has like a ton, like producing Monty Python movies. The guy was just like a favor machine for his friends. <laughs> and like George Harrison, good dude. On the second of October, China Illinois debuts. This yeah. is fun. It's I know Neely. Yeah. It was there was one or two episodes I thought were the most brilliant things I've ever seen, but I didn't love all of the show. Mm-hmm. But Brad Neely, it's like internet internet YouTubers making good with a television show, and the the Professor Brothers is that what they were called? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know Michael was a big fan. Yeah, 
And yeah, it it could be a lot of fun. It was on Adult Swim. Came, you know, it kind of came and went, and, and it was one of those where it's like it might come back, and then it comes back under a different title. It might be the same thing. I'm not really sure. I think he's got a new show coming out. I think and so too. I a network show. Yeah, I think he's got a network show. Like CBS, maybe? maybe. Oh, CW. Uh, maybe. I don't care. I want him to go back and complete Wizard People, Dear Reader. I want him to do the whole series. <laughs> because, yeah, Brad Neely, creator of the show, did a, a full-length commentary on Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone that is so goddamn funny. I implore people, because, spoiler alert, we have that coming up in 2001. Please, if you've never seen Wizard People, Dear Reader... It, oh my god and if you've never it's seen the george so washington funny. rap it's it's one of the, er, oh, yeah. the earliest viral videos on the internet and like this guy finally gets a show on adult swim cartoon network uh with biggest <laughs> new piece of casting hulk hogan I, I i did think that was brilliant like <laughs> casting him in a permanent role <laughs> he's a good yep. voice actor terrible person and a liar oh i love talking about how bad showtime shows get we'll Ugh. refrain from a lot of that uh, because what, one of its biggest debuts this week and maybe it's most respectable until the third season uh-huh mm-hmm. marine sergeant nicholas brody mia since early 2003 and presumed dead until now what were his exact words an American prisoner of war has been turned. You're suggesting that Abu Nazir planted intelligence on his own safe house just so we could recover Sergeant Brody. Homeland debuts and it's Showtime having like a two season premise show and not yes. having anything, any idea what to do with that. And it's then it so goes annoying. for eight. Wow. Oh, I know. It, it like. Oh, I was so into it these first two seasons because they were fucking good. Like really Sam tense. and I watched it. My family watched it. We were all very into it. Sam continued. On. I mean, I think I watched like seasons three and four, probably at least maybe into five. And then it lost me so hard. Like I just could not keep up with it. But when these first two seasons, I still would recommend going back and watching, honestly, because it is really good political, geopolitical storytelling, I think. A really interesting story, a really interesting examination of depression um, yeah. and mental health yeah, with uh, the Claire Danes' character, Carrie, mm-hmm. plays someone who struggles with her mental health um, as while also working in a very high-powered, high-stress job. And... I think she does a really, really good job of portraying what that would be like. And in fact, like portrays depression so well that I've used it in analogies when talking to my therapist. Like, <laughs> you remember when Carrie, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's how I feel. You know, like, so the no. show's the show, like, like, uh, Twin Peaks or Lost has a finite premise. Like, yeah, is this recovered that's prisoner true. of war a turned terrorist trying to infiltrate us from within or not? And they, eventually have to come up with a solution. I don't know how they go six seasons after that. Yeah, oh my God. They lose the plot oh. for sure. Oh, but when time. it's good, it's really good. And you got your Mandy Patinks in there who I love to see him. Mandy Patinks. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's great. You have, your, your, uh, you have who I've been assured is not Hugh Laurie is in this show. No, I know. I'm just kidding. Damien Lewis, Steve who McQueen. has a very tiny mouth. <laughs> <laughs> we call him old tiny mouth because he just has a very small mouth for a man and, or um, for anyone. Another show that is defiantly and almost by design inconsistent. Well, uh, it's an anthology. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I, I have a really yeah, tough relationship with, with the show. 
yeah, even within a season, it doesn't make a whole bunch of sense. They, uh, I want who... to love American Horror Story yeah. so much because mm -hmm. I love the idea so much of just, yeah, you know, it's an anthology. Each season is going to be a different time and place. A lot of the same actors, but some will come and go, whatever. And but Billy Eichner will be there. <laughs> but like <laughs> episode to episode sometimes is sort of like, what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Where? Every you, time you're I, just doing something you wanted to do, I don't care if it has anything to do with consistency. Every time I talk to someone plot. who likes this show, they're like, I know, I know, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. And I agree because, like, I've seen episodes out of order, like, that is the coolest shit I've ever seen in my life. Mm. And I've tried a straight watch through. I'm like, I'm not fucking doing this. This is too in. <laughs> Some of this is pretty terrible, and, and yeah. but I, I, I'm always interested to dive into a new season. It's The concepts are always, I think, pretty interesting. We watched this first season, which is a – the premise is a classic haunted house situation, I mm -hmm. think, with family mm -hmm. moving into a house where murders happen. Murders. Murders. And the first season is, is pretty good, and probably I would – and I mean, I haven't seen all the seasons – I uh, saw the first couple, probably the most like coherent season, I'd say, out of all of them. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it kind of just, it's more about imagery, I think, than it is about mm. what yeah. story and, we're and, telling. And tone and, and, and feeling. Yeah, exactly. It, like, yeah, it, it's, it's an atmosphere. It's, it, it deserves some respect. It's, it's such an ambitious idea and really goes batshit certain yes. seasons by design. I, I yeah. think it's great. And produces yeah. some of the most disturbing billboards I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And it's so weird that, I mean, it's it's created and produced by Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk, who are, you know, at this point, the Glee guys. Yes. And Glee is doing great. And they're like, yeah, no, we don't want to do more Glee. We want to do this random craziness. And they're like, and, ah! and, and this is the, is this the vague launch of their American blank brand? Yes. Yeah, yeah I guess crazy. so. Yeah, it is. And, and I mean, now they're a powerhouse. Yeah, and, and I, I loved People versus O.J. Simpson. Uh, yes. Fucking love that shit. And so I'm not... Dude, Impeachment's been pretty good. Okay, yeah. I have not Impeachment watched it yet, but... has been... I I, it is a little weird to see, like, Clive Owen look so much like Bill Clinton. It's huh? really weird. I did not notice yeah. casting at all. I oh have God. not... I did not either, but <laughs> I was happy to see Beanie Feldstein because I Perfect. fucking love her in everything. So I was so happy to see... That she was cast as Monica. Okay. Yeah. Well. And, and she's perfect. And you know, Sarah Paulson, who's just like Ryan Murphy's best bud, apparently, because she's sure. in My everything. Mm. Um, yeah, she's just been killing it as <laughs> playing she, Linda Tripp is just the ultimate Karen. Was she Nurse like, Ratchet yeah. too? Yeah. God, I, I, that show is so dumb. And I think about it every day. <laughs> I loved it. I, it's, I loved it, and I know it's dumb. It's, it's okay. Ryan Murphy to a T, but here's a pro, we have a promo for American Horror Story? The first season, If we, if we yeah. didn't sell what it is, it's not the Twilight Zone. It's every season is one theme, mm -hmm. and that changes in a horrific way every season and retains some of the same cast, you gain and lose mm -hmm. something like that. Isn't this place amazing? I do have to tell you about what happened to the last owners. They didn't die in here, did they? Yes, actually. Murder, suicide. We'll take it. They're gonna die in here. Addie says that to everybody. Sometimes people just go mad. I saw something! You have to get out of that house. What scares you? Everything. American Horror Story premieres Wednesday, October 5th at 10. We told you it was 10 years ago. <laughs> I have to say that 
the the funniest. I mean, because look, it's a Ryan Murphy joint. There's definitely camp. There's definitely really funny parts too, in in a lot of what he does, and especially I think in American Horror Story. There's a whole storyline in this season where there's like a gimp suit that is at mm. the house, and. Connie Britton, bless her heart, is just like late at night, like getting up to get a glass of water. And oh, there's someone in the gimp suit in her kitchen. And she's like, husband, stop messing around. (laughs) See, when I watched that, I was like, if that happened, I you would not be alive. You're like, I would just take my chances. Like, you're either playing a practical joke on me or someone's here in a gimp suit to kill me. I'm gonna just try to Yeah, I'll murder you. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm just gonna be safe and murder whoever it's I will be safe and and murder you. (laughs) uh, And this lines up so well that the finale of season ten is this week. It's on October sixth. So perfect. The, The one the one that is part alien, part mermaid, and I am not kidding. I believe that was the description. Yeah. Uh, of what's Love going it. on. It, sure, yeah. why not? Yeah, I, I I mostly want to jump into their like Todd Browning freak season, like where it's just a 1920s circus. Oh, uh, I watched that one, and it has some truly bizarre har- highlights and some truly like, what are you even doing now? <laughs> like you had you were going in a direction, and now it's just like what? It's That's just getting what? Pretty uh, again. What are you doing? A great description like, of the Ryan Murphy phenomenon. True. Yeah, it's like you could have paid all this off, and instead, nah. <laughs> I, I I think it's that wacky television model. Like this this story can sustain four to five episodes, and instead has to go mm. ten or twelve. Yeah. Um. Anywho, video games of 2011, October 1st to the 7th. Oh my goodness! Ooh, I was just at someone's house, and I saw a copy of Just Dance 3 lying out on their table. I felt bad for them. Didn't know it was 10 years old. I'm going to see if I can bring her some games. Orcs Must Die is 10 years old. I believe that just shut down its live service. Spider-Man Edge of Time is uh, 10 years old, as is Rage from id Software. And then perhaps my favorite thing given to gaming in the last 10 years is 10 feel-old Dark Souls. Oh. Uh, Technically, the Souls formula came about in Demon Souls, but it caught on fire with Dark Souls, and I think that changed games in the right direction. I think AAA games were largely 3D caulking tubes forcing you down a hallway in can't-fail missions, and this is like, you will not set foot forward anymore until you figure out how to beat this thing. Get good at your weapons, dodge. People think that's just Street Fighter at this point. Uh, People think every video game is like that. No, they're easy as fuck and you gain XP and games get even easier. Dark Souls is a, was a fucking godsend to games and every bit, every, every little piece of it that leaked out into uh, the medium has made those games better. And I will hopefully talk about this in more, a a longer form with the video game apocalypse boys. Um, And I believe we're starting some minor horror themes this week on VGA, Uh, light horror forms. We know a lot of people don't like horror, but it is, I love a spoopy month and it's not all about scares. We are going to tell you who died during this period of 30, 2010, as well as uh, have a birthday quiz and occasionally uh, tell you about the garbage ape because last episode, (laughs) I'm just glad we talked about that on the show. So don't leave just yet, but I just wanted to give a couple of plugs out. Justin Allen, many other people like him at patreon.com slash laser time. Thank you so much for your patronage and support over the last uh, seven years. We, uh, Kind of make a call for five bucks, give you a bunch of free shit. Not well, not free shit you paid, but uh, <laughs> but a, a bunch of bonuses, including uh, nobody puts thirty twenty ten in the corner. Is that what we're calling it? Um, mm-hmm. 
Nobody puts classics, classics, in, classics the in the corner. The classic show, which I need to finish. Um, we have one of those in the barrel for you, and we're going to record another one soon. A video game show about the games of 302010 with the video game Apocalypse Boys. Good dirty work commentary in honor of Norm MacDonald's death. Over 100 movie commentaries. A bonus show, hopefully every week. It's been a little rough lately. Um, the pandemic sucks. Thank you. Thanks everyone so much. Uh, thanks to my co-host so much. Di, where can people find you? They can find me on the Twitter at LeCineNerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast. That's at 302010podcast. Coming up next week, wow, we've got uh, we got some interesting things. We have a really confused title issue where one of the best horror movies of all time gets a sequel but that sequel has the same name as the original yeah we're talking about the thing but not that Mm. thing the other thing Mm. we also have two criterion edition movies that i recommend both of them um one by david mamet one by guillermo del toro and we also have two incredibly stupid movies starring stupid people one of them's named corky romano and the other one is named ernest hey burn what a week oh my (laughs) god Mm. Something for everybody. All right. Anyway. That of the way, we got to figure out who died during uh, October 1st to the 7th in 1991, 2001, and 2011. Well, all of these are just 2011, but they all suck. (laughs) Uh, So 2011, starting with Steve Jobs. He was 56. Yeah. He had just, remember how he just retired from Apple like six weeks ago? Yeah. Because he was real sick. To Uh. heal himself with rocks and turtlenecks. Mm -hmm. And like juice, Mm -hmm. which don't. Don't do that. He had access to every means of medical technology and sought not to do so. Mm -hmm. He did his own research. I know. I felt a lot worse for him than before all this. So, Mm. Yeah. And then we lost one of my favorite Hey, It's That Guys of all time, Charles Napier, who's 75. Oh, I love him so much. He's in Beyond Valley of the Dolls. He's the head of the good old boys and the Blues Brothers. I think Hannibal Lecter eats his face. He's... He's a voice on The Critic, Duke. my favorite show of all time. Mm. Oh, my God. He's just, if I were you, little squirrel, I'd be hiding your nuts. <laughs> Winner's coming. Pigeons are attracted to the sound of my voice. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I, one, I think you mean pigeons are attracted to the sound of my... <laughs> one of my As favorite... A pigeon goes in his mouth. I love The Critic so much. He played a character on The Critic, and The Critic was all about movie parodies, and they parodied the movie, movie Murder in the First, where he played the judge. So there is a scene where he plays himself in cartoon form... For like five seconds in the critic, yep. um, it's actually Philadelphia. He's the judge, oh, he's the judge in, Philadelphia in Philadelphia because Jonathan Demi loved him, put him in everything. He's in something wild. He's he's in like every Jonathan Demi movie. Wow. Yeah, the, the, the guy oh, with the, the the hard jaw and the yeah, and the curly he's... the curly the curly gray afro. Yeah, and he was what he was the sheriff on Squidbillies for the first couple seasons. <laughs> like he just had the best fucking voice. I can't believe he's been dead ten years. I know. Oh, it's not fair. And then also in 2011, we lost civil rights activist Fred Shuttleworth, who's 89. I think he co-founded the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Birmingham Airport's named after him now. I did not know that. I learned something today. Great name for an airport. Shuttleworth. (laughs) Shuttleworth. All right. I wish I knew more about him than Charles Napier. (laughs) I feel terrible. But Yeah, uh... he was a tough guy. But Charles Napier. Oh, the good old boys. My name's Baba. Sit up. Winnebago. <laughs> well, I love that guy. Anyway. With that trio of 2011 deaths out of the way, it's time for Bubba Birthdays. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo. A ding dong, goodly doodly ding dong doo. A birthday is a doodly 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 doo. A birthday is a
Do I want to win again? Should I just let Sarah get the first three and take my headphones off? I don't know. Let's see how you do. Turn in 75 this week. Born October 4th, 1946 in Jackson Heights, Queens. She is the eldest of nine. Uh, her dad was a TV producer and former nightclub singer. They moved to Edison, New Jersey when she was a teenager, where she was in a song and dance group to entertain people at the polio hospital. Because that was a thing very recently, people. The polio hospital. Right. She got married in college, paid the bills as a switchboard operator and hairstylist, then made her film debut in 1970 when both she and her husband auditioned for parts in the movie Joe with Peter Boyle, and she got it. Shit, I've fucking seen that movie. I know. Uh, I thought you had a chance to steal right there. Not Queen Bee from Dolomite. All right, movies of hers we've talked about. There's a whole lot. She works a lot. The January Man, Dry White Season, and Twilight. Not that one, but another one. <laughs> mm, slow down, Sarah. Rugrats in Paris, Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps, James and the Dying Peach, and You Don't Know Jack. Oh, my God. I'm, uh. I'm at a total loss. It's not. It can't be Jennifer Saunders. I think she was in James and the Dying Now, In the Valley of Elah, The Lovely Bones, The Greatest in White Palace. Uh. Don't get. Don't let her... <laughs> Ellen Burstyn? No. Interesting guess. Don't let her stall. No. Move on. Move on before. Don't let her stall. All right. Enchanted cl- Cradle Will Rock and Anywhere But Here. I will steal this if she doesn't get it. If she gets one name right. God damn it. I will steal this from her. And Susan make- Sarandon. It is Susan Sarandon. No. Ah, I was hoping Anywhere would hear, But Here would get it because that, Speed Racer was next and I knew yes, Chris would steal. Anywhere But Here got it for me. Fucking that in the combination with the Lovely Bones. There you go. Uh, we also Ooh. talked about, yeah, Speed Racer, Stepmom, Witches of Eastwick, Bull Durham, and Thelma Louise. Of course. And I never get yeah. over, she just stole her name from her first husband and then overshadowed everything he ever did to be the only Saran- the first Sarandon you ever think of. Yep. It's not her last name. This yeah. is true. Good and, for her. <laughs> yeah, good for her. Good for her. Yeah, so uh, 75. And Good for you. Man, what a great episode. Tell if, I, I know we didn't have a garbage ape thing to talk about in this section of the show, but I always like it so very much. Let's close out with uh, Can't Trust It by Public Enemy. Yeah, good jam from 91. Yeah, but surprisingly relevant nowadays. Well, tell a friend about the show. Consider dropping us a couple bucks at patreon.com slash laser time. Try out some of the bonus content. Maybe you'll dig it. Thanks for listening. Watch some real steel and some ricochet as far as I'm concerned. And some training yeah. day. It's been a good week. Take us out, Public Enemy. Big and probably had a big beef because of that now I quit my teeth.